Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. Uh, tonight is Friday night. It's nine o'clock. Got some beers. Dave, you got some beers? Nope. Oh, what the hell? I got um, water. Uh, Kyle's got some beers. So we've got Kyle Rose of KSR Amps uh, with us. Kyle, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Fine. We're good. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Do me a favor, if you don't mind, just sit a little closer to the mic, if you can, because yeah. I, I want to make sure people can hear you. Um, no mumbling. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. So, Kyle, we saw you at, I saw you at NAM. Yeah, that was another crazy show. Uh, very busy. We released a new amp, and, uh, you know, it's, it's nuts to butts in a booth uh, nonstop, and we just have a little... 10 by 10, you know, so it gets yeah. crowded pretty quick. Which is why I didn't see you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, you guys I, didn't even see each other? I, no. You know, it's it's funny, Dave. You didn't see me, but I was coming in. I was actually a few minutes early one morning, and uh, I saw you, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go say hi to Dave. I haven't seen him in years. And then realized I almost walked in, or I think I actually got in the camera of like Guitar World or something that was talking. Oh, to oh, oh! <laughs> I didn't just, even realize it. I'm like, oh crap! I'm that, I'm that guy. So uh, I back off to the sidelines and look like you're almost done. And then I lost you. You you got pulled off somewhere other direction. So that was. Yeah, the, I, I get pulled a hundred directions at one time. Especially <laughs> there were there was a time when there was videos back to back that I was doing. It was like, okay, next. <laughs> yeah, next. It, it got busy. I'm, I, I actually snuck in with the Andertons video. I'm somewhere in the Andertons video. So uh, I was uh, trying to be a whore. I'd like to get someone else <laughs> to do the videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys well, know about the product. You do it. That's true. But they all want to talk to the man. Yeah, they all want I to know. Talk to, they all want to talk to you. That's I can't do that. You can't it gets, pass it off. Uh, it gets pretty repetitive quickly, too, when you're going over the same feature, the same knob, you know, answering the same questions. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, fun I mean, to keep thing, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, what you really want to say is here's my new amp. Those are knobs. Turn them, listen to it, <laughs> see what it does. <laughs> Play with it. Play with it. Exactly. Yeah. So Kyle, tell us about KSR amps. And for those of us who don't know, or people who don't know about, you know, your stuff or people who do tell us about, you know, about the business, yeah. your amps, and uh, love to hear, you know, kind of how things started for you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I guess we've been in business now nine years. Uh, kind of went by in a, a blink of an eye. A lot of things have, have changed and evolved over those years. But it essentially, it started off uh, completely by accident. I, I, I built myself an amp, tweaked it out, really, you know, got it sounding where, where I was happy. And uh, it didn't do what I wanted feature-wise, but it, it it sounded great. And I was playing in a, a cover band and, and uh, you know, just, just for fun kind of thing, uh, spare time sort of stuff. And my uh, music buddies, they started taking notice and like, man, that thing sounds awesome. Uh, and kind of jokingly, hey, you know, build me one kind of thing. Well, uh, one guy, this, this friend of mine, Chris June, he, I'll never forget the day I was at the, at my, day job at the time and i get this phone call from him and he's like yeah you know that i was joking with you about building me an amp and 
I've got money, so I'm serious now. And uh, we came up with something kind of loosely based on, on the, the sound that I had, but kind of more what he wanted to do feature-wise, and, and it was a rack mount thing. So my first customer was actually for a, a rack mount head and designed the thing up, and, and lo and behold, his guitar uh, buddy, his and the other guy in his band, said, I want one too. So then I had two sales, and, well, maybe I'll, I'll make a business around this and see what happens. And then... Mm-hmm. Couple other local guys, a uh, guy in Indy. I think I did five custom amps, and then by the time I finished all those, I'm looking at my my uh, you know the circuit boards I designed and the the software I wrote for MIDI and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, I could build kind of my ultimate amp now. I could take the sounds that I really liked and then package it into something that would be a, an awesome amp for my uses, just in my cover band and just for fun. What was the uh, the type of sound that you know, how would you describe it? Like thick, thick gain, but tight, you know, not flubby and, and mushy when you mm-hmm. did Paul Meads, but not so tight that it had no life, you know? So um, I, I always kind of call it tight, but big sounding. Mm-hmm. And then really nice, clean, you know, I didn't want to have a compromise in the clean at all. And then a really usable crunch that, had enough gain where it was fun to play and it wasn't choked off and uh, also wanted MIDI and wanted boosts and dual master volumes and a, a effects loop that I could bypass at the floor and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's cool. Cool features. Yeah. yeah and and then I, that was the Colossus basically. And that amp, and I still, still make a very similar amp today. It's, it hasn't changed much other than a couple mods and, uh, when I first met Dave, actually, this is back in December 2010, um, is when I just finished that amp and I, I flew out to California. And uh, you were in the hotel James room. Was right? it? Or not, were you in a hotel room or was that at James's? It was place? when I first met you, it was at James's studio. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, he, he had that amp fest. And I think yeah. it was his second or third one he did. And it was just insane. He had like 70 amps there. And, and uh, I met you and met Reinhold and, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a really fun time. And, uh, you know, I just, there's this guy who flew in from Indiana bringing an amp, you know, what's up with this dude. And uh, actually I met friends there that I'm still friends with today. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, guys that help me when I go out to, to Nam, you know, they still help me ever since that, uh, you know, that trip and I met, met them there. And then I, I, did that amp fest and kind of announced myself to the world, so to speak, because my only customers up until that point were in Indiana and the local guys. And, uh, and then I, I can't, I went back. It was a month later. I went back for that NAM, uh, my first winter NAM. And that's when we had the, I called them the NAM after parties. We basically, uh, set up this amp and, uh, buddy, Rich Mazza, he, <laughs> he brought cabs and guitars and, and I bought the beer and, we advertised it on all the forums and rig talk and all that kind of stuff and got people out there. Hey, check out this amp and, you know, have yeah, it was at that little motel or that, that hotel over there by Disneyland there, whatever that looked like a Knights castle or something or castle right. Inn, I think it was castle. Inn, castle Inn. Yeah. I have no idea how we did not get kicked out of that place. We were, 
cranking that amp every night. Yeah, you know, I remember. I remember coming over there one night. Or, yeah, and yeah, you guys were cranking it. I'm like, oh wow, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no one's was, complaining. No, it was amazing. I have no idea why. And we just got lucky with our neighbors or something. But uh, yeah, you can't. You came with Rob. Yeah. Because at the time, I my thought or my thinking with the whole, hey, I'm going to start a company and build amps. My whole thought process was I'm, I'm going to try to just get into stores, I, you know, just go straight into stores. So I was trying to think, oh, get into tone merchants, get into this, get into that. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up changing the business model. Just didn't just it wasn't successful. So I, I started selling direct and uh, and I still sell direct, but at map price. But then I have got dealers that sell at the same price. So it's mm-hmm. taken a long time to evolve to that point where everyone's selling at the same price and, and there's room for margin. But uh Anyway, not to. Not yeah, to, that's that's not a. It's not a. Uh, yeah, it's uh, takes a bit of time for sure. Yeah, yeah, because you have to basically have to raise the price slowly. Um, but uh, that that night was the same night that I met Andy Wood also, and that hmm. that kind of snowballed into some other stuff too. Because then all of a sudden I had an artist, and uh, you know he called me a few weeks after Nam and said hey that amp i played I, I can i borrow that amp and uh he he borrowed it and and used it on the down from up uh sessions and uh then all of a sudden i had some exposure with that and then and then he bought one and uh so it, that was that was pretty cool he he got the third one i built which was you know production number two basically and, that's cool uh, Still, still has it. He, tou- he toured with Rascal Flatts with that amp. You know, it's it's pretty cool and pretty funny too to have this this Colossus in backstage. You know? I was going to say that's that's not what you would typically expect. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's so cool. that's that's basically the the gist of the beginning. And you know, for years I had a, a day job, uh, and uh, that's always fun you know basically work all day come home and work all night uh, yeah, basically work all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. entertainment uh, time off what's that you know uh, hey yeah, you know actually, that doesn't change really by the way no <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. don't have two jobs anymore but now it's one that you work all the time at well I, yeah i don't know i'm not sure your story dave like how you got started with all this but for me it's like okay, I got this day job. All I need to do is, is be ready to go full time. And then I'll have a normal life again. I'll have, you know, I know it won't be, but you know, maybe 10, maybe 12. Well, no, it ends up being 18 hours a day. You work, you know, for your business. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah, that, 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 um, yeah. Yeah. I have two jobs all the time, but it's not only one really. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I go home, well, when I work, first of all, six days a week, and then I go home, uh, then I'm still in the morning when I wake up at 6 a.m., I'm on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I, as I'm falling asleep on the couch and going to bed, <laughs> I'm on my you know iPad uh, <laughs> answering emails and questions and everything. And, and uh, so, yeah, so, and yeah, when I'm at dinner, out to dinner at a restaurant, I'm answering an email on my phone. So that's basically how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if your wife is like mine, but she'll she'll take my phone away. <laughs> she say no. No, fortunately not. <laughs> but, 
but uh, you know, it, it, she she lets me, you know, go with it. And when she knows there's a lot going on, well, sometimes yeah, she she prefers just to have my attention, which I can totally understand. I just I just think, well, <laughs> the funny thing is, my wife does the social media for Friedman, so so she's kind of in, in, engulfed in it also. So yeah. Um, uh, so she's on a daily basis dealing with that. It's amazing how much she knows about guitar amps now <laughs> and guitars. Like she had no idea before, but now she does. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny. This past Nam, my wife Kristen, she she's like, "Why why don't I have access to the KSR page and I can just post videos and post pictures and you don't have to do it all the time?" I said, "You know, that's a great idea." So I made her an admin, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Why am I getting all these notifications?" <laughs> You know, all these people asking questions. I'm getting notified. Like, well, you're an admin now, so answer yeah. those questions. <laughs> Take me off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always always working. You know, if you if you want to be successful, that's what you got to do. I got uh, sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder, wonder about all this. You know, it's like, is there? Wait, well, I guess this is our enjoyment, right? So. um so this isn't work necessarily, you know. Um, I don't have a hobby, <laughs> so the you know that the amp stuff is my hobby. So, so you know, so uh, yeah, you're doing what you love. Yeah, that's which is great. See, hopefully, no one from work is watching, but I'm not doing what I love. <laughs> so. Well, so 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 you know, so so many people are that way. It's not mm-hmm. you know. You know, something, even with my kids growing up and stuff, and, and I have older daughters now, and I always said to them, I go, um, do what you want to do. I don't care what it is. Just make sure you want to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't want to do it, you're going to be miserable forever. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, and that's nowhere to be, you know? It's just really not. So, I mean, if you're happy out working at a store and that's what makes you happy and you're fine and content and great. Stay there. Do it. If you're happy, you know, being a lawyer. Great. If you're happy being an accountant, great. But I don't know why someone would be happy being an accountant. <laughs> um, but, but they, the accountants are happy doing the numbers. They love it. Yeah. It's it, kind of, it's kind of scary. <laughs> I had a friend who used to look forward to tax season and then of course as it was happening he was dreading it but you know and then by the end he was dead but it was kind of like oh that's yeah. this, the season's coming you know yeah yeah but, yeah i don't really understand that one but okay <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fine but um well that's cool kyle so and how long you said that was back in what 2010 you said uh yeah we started in 2009 and i did the the custom stuff the, the five custom bills and then December 2010 was when I finished the Colossus, took it out to California and then went back to January 2011, NAM. What uh, was your day job before? So I, I worked for a company that it's a, a disabilities company. And basically they did um, or do uh, Braille uh, translation, uh, document conversion, and that kind of thing. So taking content and then converting it into a, a medium that uh, blind can oh, okay. consume. And basically I, it was a, 
you know, totally, totally different than what I do now, but I, I learned so much doing what I did. And that is, I designed braille printing machines. Oh, okay. And, uh, so I, I basically designed these printers that produced braille and the company still uses them to produce their braille. We sold them briefly, you know, went through the whole certification process. Uh, you know, I did, my brother actually helped with mechanical design, but I did all the, uh, the electrical stuff. A buddy of mine helped with the circuit board layouts. Um, and then I put it all together, did all the software and, uh, and, and managed that project. But I was basically the sole engineer at the company. Ooh, once, okay. once we finished with that, and that was, like I said, a big learning experience. I did a few other, built a few other machines in-house, and it was kind of fun. I got to build a robot, you know, that printed Braille on plastic covers and uh, a machine that tore the pages apart and stacked them and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, but then eventually they didn't want to do hardware anymore. And they, you know, because it was kind of a whole experiment. Like, let's try to build this printer and because we can do it better because we have Kyle and he can figure it out. And so we did that and they just, they decided they didn't want to be in the business of selling these machines, which was kind of a bummer for me. I mean, I really enjoyed the whole process, enjoyed building them. I wanted to do more stuff. I wanted to improve it further and do other things, et cetera, et cetera. And they didn't want to do that anymore. So I moved into like basically a, maintenance role and wrote software. So then I was a software engineer for, I don't know, eight, 10 years there uh, in, in total. And, uh, you know, got deep into PC application development and that kind of stuff. So See, that's why, that. that's why when you, when you were throwing out all those PC terms and everything to me the other day, when I was trying to test with you, you were like, Oh, I've got the dual drive, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's I'm, like, a, I'm a big time computer nerd yeah you knew, you definitely know your stuff yeah that's that's funny so go ahead i'm not I didn't mean to interrupt you but that was funny i use yeah. Macs, so i don't know yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i'm a i'm a big computer nerd and and you know i love electronics and microcontrollers digital electronics you know is is my original passion i mean robotics i love building ro- robotic type stuff back in you know, when I was in middle school and high school, I started really early, you know, I had a, fortunately had a mentor that taught me digital electronics when I was still in elementary school, <laughs> a little, a little bit odd, you know, to have that sort of upbringing, but it jump started me completely. So I was doing microcontroller stuff in middle school and building, you know, programmable robots and learning how to do all that kind of stuff really young before, before it was more common like it is now before Arduino, you know, back when stuff was difficult to do back when I had to, you know, I was burning EEPROMs and and erasing them with ultraviolet light and writing stuff in assembler. And, uh, it was, uh, pretty deep, but I learned, you know, how stuff actually worked, which I think is key. You know, when it's, when it's too easy to do something, you don't actually kind of get into the details that help you later when you have problems and when it's not working. And, uh, uh, so I think it really helps hone troubleshooting skills when you actually understand the kind of more nitty gritty of it. And uh, I don't know, I just, I really like understanding that. I really like getting kind of deep into it. And when I got into the whole tube amp thing, it's like, okay, something new I can learn. I can, you know, I knew analog electronics a bit, but I wasn't an expert. I was more of a digital guy. And uh, so all the MIDI and all that stuff, it was cake, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. But the, the, Tube stuff is where I was like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. I get to play with 500 volts and uh, <laughs> uh, 
Get down I can tell I have to keep myself at least a couple times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's you know it's a little it's a little odd. I came from a world where you know I'm poking and prodding and touching things and, and everything in a digital circuit all the time, and and that helps you troubleshoot too. Like you touch something and it starts working, well you know you've got some sort of a, a loading issue or something with the with the digital line. Well, a tube amp you don't really want to do that. And <laughs> not a good idea. No, not a good idea. <laughs> Had to remind myself you know a few times that I need to turn this power off, but. Also, also not a good idea to keep it plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the longer you do it, the more 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 uh, times that uh, you forget about this stuff. Totally. Yeah, you get like, complacent, right? You're like, I can do that. You know, it's plugged in. You're just like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Until right. whoops. <laughs> <laughs> not good. Not good. Doesn't happen too much anymore. But you know, once in a while. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, we're, I got a little off subject there, but basically with the day job, you know, I, I learned a lot about product development and, you know, I was the sole guy that got to do it, which was, it was cool. I didn't learn much about being in a team doing that kind of stuff, but um, it enabled me to then take and, and, and eventually, you know, I learned more mechanical design, 3D modeling, that kind of stuff. Uh, and by the time I was ready to design a guitar amplifier, I already knew how to do all this stuff. So it's like I just designed it, you know, I did everything. And, uh, fortunately, with that company, they were uh, they enabled me to to do the business probably more so than another company might too. Where I I negotiated a like a thirty hour a week and uh, still made, had my health insurance. So that was key to my ability to branch off also. So I didn't totally kill myself after a few years once I negotiated that. And uh and then eventually once I once I moved to Ohio, I completely cut the cord there. So full time, full time now. Oh boy. <laughs> He's all in. <laughs> and that's when you realize I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> but you know i would have hated it right so that's uh, true what is what is that line kind of to what you were talking about earlier uh you know uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life yeah um, someone said that somewhere in here yeah and, on the uh, chat oh, really? I, i'm not even paying attention to the chat yeah no someone someone said something but i uh, sorry i don't i've lost it now but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and it, it is true to a point. I mean, it, it, everything becomes work eventually, uh, but uh, you do the same thing you know a hundred times in a row. It's not mm-hmm. going to be fun anymore. But and then you hire somebody to do it. <laughs> right. <That's> exactly. right. <laughs> yes. So, so tell us if you don't mind, Kyle. Um, I, I, there was one question in the chat, um, and, and I, uh, Cheddar Kung Pao. Um, <laughs> So he he wants to know like how would you describe your your amps? He, is it Meza, Meza? I should say Meza. Is it Meza ish? Um, I got people gave me shit when I said Meza. Sorry, I'm from New York. Because <laughs> it's wrong. I I'm from New York. I don't care. That's how I say it. <laughs> I don't care. But yes, Meza. Is it? Are they like that that type of sound or like like if you can give like you know just comparisons? I'm curious. It sounds like some people want to know how would you compare the tones of the amps. Yeah, I guess if you if you take like a a Mesa and that's how I say it, Mesa. Mesa, Mesa. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, I had a, I had a dual rectifier, 
and kind of a funny story, not, not to dog on that amp at all, but I, I had a dual rectifier. And one of the reasons I'm building amps now is because it broke. Mm. And uh, just a simple thing happened. One of the mute fets shorted. But I had to dig into that thing and figure out what the heck was going on. Oh, no. And, and uh, you've probably seen that, Dave, all those fets everywhere. And Yeah, oh, no. That's why I said, oh, no. <laughs> Digging and, into it would be the word for sure. Yeah, and it, so that was an experience. You know, I, I did not Fun like to take these. apart. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I didn't like having to unsolder 10 things to flip the board up to see what was going on and then try some stuff and then put the board back down, resolder all the things. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, they're not, they're not the easiest uh, serviceable uh, amplifiers. Yeah. So that, you know, I learned a bit about what I didn't want to do. Not, like I said, not the dog on that at all, but um, you know, I try to keep all my wires as much as possible just on one side of the board and there may be just be a couple on the other side, but that way you can flip the whole board real easy and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But um, in any case, that amp, died on me and then i i borrowed a 5150 for my drummer and i'm buying that amp i really liked the way it sounded and felt and everything had a hell of a lot of gain uh an original 5150 like the block letter original block letter Mm -hmm. and uh hell i think it even had the original tubes in it too and uh, Svetlana is that uh james brown was telling us about yeah the james brown story about those tubes yeah I know I retubed it at some point, and I wonder. I, I've got a, a stash of old tubes, and I wonder if they're still in there. I got to go through. And look. <laughs> they're still in the stuff I moved, um, boxed up somewhere. But anyway, I, I the, between those two amps, I I liked some of the features the Mesa had, but I liked the fifty one fifty sound better. But then I still, you know, the fifty one fifty clean is basically non existent, and uh, loved the crunch side. I mean, I love things about both those amps, and. You know, it, it basically taking taking that and being a new engineer in the tube world, it's like, okay, how how do these amps work? You know, so look up the schematics, and I've, I was already had the schematics for the Mesa, trying to figure out why the thing wasn't working, and I eventually fixed it. And then I was like, this is this is pretty cool, but you know, I could do this, and I could put MIDI in here, and I could make this thing make you know make an amp that actually did what i wanted and sounded you know cooler in my opinion sounded mm-hmm. uh, so i didn't have to tweak it so much because like the mesa i was always tweaking i could never get it to quite sound the way i wanted it to 5150 sounded more on on point easily but i didn't have the ability to take and you know it was a single channel didn't have i didn't have a clean you know I, it didn't roll off very well for what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And honestly, I wasn't as good. At, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a great player now, but I was not, I was even less good then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I've learned a few things in the last couple of years, just because I realized I wasn't learning anything for 10. So I tried to learn some stuff and, uh, but in any case, I, I, I digress on that. So, you know, when I designed the classes, it's like, okay, how do I have a no compromise queen? So I, I looked up what's the best clean amp, you know, Fender Blackface. So figure out how that worked. And so I did some stuff in the classes that was, you know, to, to maintain that perfect clean, you know, the, the kind of a uh, uncommon thing, you know, it, input jack, it hits two different 
grids off the input jack. You know, there's a clean tube and a, and a gain input tube. And, uh, you know, no compromises there, added a tube, but I didn't care at the time. I was just building a couple of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that stuck, that, that stuck around actually. So that all our amps still do the exact same thing because I know it sounds good and I know it, it works well. And people compliment our clean channel all the time. And, uh, you know, for, you know, for a high gain amp, you always have that for a high gain amp, you know, it's the best clean I've heard or that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff, which is, you know, we, we hear that all the time. (laughs) uh, Every every amp designer hears that, but it's, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that, that, that was important early on though, was to get that good clean sound, um, have the more refined high gain tone that, you know, is maybe Mesa ish. 5150-ish, you know, Uber ish you know, people call it a Mark uh, type tone. It's nothing like a Mark at all, uh, circuit-wise, but it mm. sound more like that. You know, there's several several means to get to similar ends, right? But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it's all a, a, a Fender or a, a Marshall under the hood anyway. But, uh, right. uh, you know, we used some cool transformers that... Uh, you know, it's, it's more of a hi-fi output power section, so or hi-fi uh, power section, hi-fi output transformer. Uh, you know, heavy filtering. Dave didn't. Dave didn't like my filtering. Uh, you remember this, Dave? The early ones, yeah, they were they were a little little stiff for my taste. <laughs> I still remember that conversation too. We had on the phone. You're like, I, don't, I think you <laughs> lighten up the input filter or the uh, power filtering on, on that a little bit, but. Um, you know, and did you listen to him? I, I, I tweaked the choke. Actually, I didn't change the caps. I tweaked the choke. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. So you listen to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I like to think it's, it's kind of, I've gone my own direction, you know, with it. You, when you hear a Friedman, you're like, okay, that's, that's a Friedman. You know, I'd like to think that people can hear kind of my DNA, you know, the tonal DNA that I've got going now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You totally have like a, there's a thing that your stuff does and it does it well, you know? So that's cool. And I, and I've never dabbled with MIDI at all. Can you describe like, what are the, some of the MIDI functions that you have with the amp? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's, it's nothing uh, earth shattering other than you, know, you can change channels. You can, uh, there's boosts and uh, a function I call fat. And depending on the amp, there's there's a lot of these kind of things. The Colossus is, is a little stripped down because it was the first one I did. So it just has like a boost and a fat on the lead channel. Uh, dual master volume, bypassable effects loop. There's a mute. Um, so you can essentially preset all these things and, and hit a program change and recall it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can control it directly with a like a MIDI CC message. Uh, pretty straightforward stuff. But then kind of the next iteration in my design was the Artemis and the Gemini. And that's where I just, I'm like, I'll just not hold, any, hold back at all. I, you know, I, I knew what I was doing at that point. That's what I thought anyway. And uh, I implemented all kinds of stuff. So it's just like over the top. There's four modes, four gain modes. So you, you go everywhere from like more of a vintage, uh, four gain stage high gain to more modern high gain um, still four gain stages but then I added two high gain modes that are five gain stages and then a 
another gain knob to control like a boost level mm. uh, and those are totally unique sounds they're they're uh, just oodles of gain and with the, all that gain on tap i went back on the to the drawing board a little bit with uh design of the the preamp to ensure it was as noise free as possible so i've got a really low noise floor i'm pretty proud of the noise floor i've got on, on our amps now and uh people comment on that all the time too with with uh, how quiet they are as far as hiss and hum and that kind of stuff and it, it all evolved because of that five gain stage circuit i'm like man i can't have this much noise so I went through and figured out how to how to eliminate it as best I could. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I have a, a 5150 combo, um, the signature model, not the block. Man, you if you take that gain and you just crank that up, it just becomes like a hiss. <laughs> it, beca- it becomes a hiss machine, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy how much noise those things have. I mean, they're great gain. You know, they're, they're cool amps, no doubt about it, classic amps, but um, a lot of noise. Yeah, for sure. That's, you know, I never liked that. I've never liked relying on a a noise gate Mm -hmm. or anything. You know, some guys, you know, need that sound for, for, you know, the the genty kind of stuff or whatever they're trying to do. They want that instant cutoff. Um, But it's not really about taming noise at that point. It's just about controlling the the note attack, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more of that style of music to cut it off so quick. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've had guys, hey, can you put a noise gate in the amp? And I'm like, well, we don't really need it for a noise noise reasons. And if you want to, you know, you're better off just putting a pedal in the amp. You know, get get something that's somebody's spent the time to design properly, you know, like the, the new Fort and Zool that everyone's going nuts about, you know, something that Mike spent time on. Uh, I don't want to spend time on a noise gate you know, circuit, mm-hmm. or I don't want to just take a uh, something off the shelf and throw it in there. Right. Um, you know, so in any case, yeah, so like with the Gemini, you know, you got four modes, there's four fat levels, three voices, bright on and off. You still have the dual master volumes, bypassable loop, mute. Uh, there's a crunch channel with similar functions, clean channel with similar functions. So all told, I mean, you got a hundred and some combinations of stuff you can recall and it's just you know like a tweaker's nightmare you know or maybe scream <laughs> and uh you know i tell sure. people like if they want to plug and play amp the gemini is probably not for you uh <laughs> you, you get lost in all the different sounds you can do but it's great i mean it's it's a lot of fun also um, and i'm sure it's i'm sure it's better than like a helix or something so i hope anyway yeah. <laughs> i'm sure those things are ridiculous in terms of just so many features and like, Oh my God. Yeah. Often, often the people that are, you know, go down the modeling path, spend more time tweaking the, Mm -hmm. tweaking the sounds than they do actually playing the guitar. Um, which is just like, man, I come from a rig building background and, you know, the days of programming and this and that, and man, I don't, I don't don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just like yeah, plug in and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool though. Uh, so that's the Gemini you're saying? Yeah, the Gemini and the Artemis both have that same feature set because it, it actually started off. I did the Artemis, which is a rack mount amp. It's a like a three and a half channel. I call it 
because there's three EQs, but then there's this crunch channel shared in one of the channels. And I did that actually right after the Colossus uh, because I'd already done these rack amps and I had a mechanical design already done. I'm like, I could just do new innards and do some crazy stuff and uh, put it in this, this, this rack chassis I'd already designed. And uh, it came out great, you know, and it's, but it's still the, like the lowest selling amp we've done because it's a rack amp. And, mm. you know, if this were 1985, it'd probably, you know, be a, a hit, but, uh, you know, just, it's, uh, or maybe that's too early. When was the rack craze? The late eighties, I guess, maybe. Uh, Eight, yeah, the 80s. Uh, late eighties. Yeah. And, early, uh, early. Yeah. Late eighties, mostly. Yeah. And it's, it's a really cool amp. So I'm, I need to do some, I need to do something a little more accessible. So I took the same, same, it's the same board and, and everything. It's just repackaged into a head. And that's where the Gemini came from. Where do the names come from? You know, it all started, it actually, it doesn't make any sense now. Uh, but it used to when, when, back when I was Rhodes amplification, you know, the first amp, uh, a buddy of mine said, you know, you got to call it Colossus. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, Rhodes Colossus, Colossus of Rhodes. Perfect. And uh, then I just kind of rolled with that theme. And the Gemini was actually a two channel amp and it ended up being like a two and a half channel amp. So it makes less sense. But, you know, Gemini two, right? The twins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I kind of loosely follow that theme. It's, it's hard to name stuff. And, and they're, I think the names are cool. And, uh, See, I thought you were going down the whole path of what Dave does with his name. So when you went with the Colossus, then maybe that had another meaning. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd wow. be compensating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just it's, it's the beer hitting me. I'm. I just it kind of came. Well, if Dave and I ever collaborated, it'd be the Colossus would be you, right? <laughs> or the colossal, the colossal pink taco. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, my mind went somewhere completely bad. Well, on that note, I need another beer. <laughs> okay, kidding. go grab it. That's funny. You know, I'll jump into the chat. Oh, he's grabbing a beer. I just opened up another. Um, so, all right, Quentin James, 12th fret, Thomas Brino, what's up, Tom and 12th fret and Quentin, how are you guys doing, iced coffee tones, um, I'm just quickly saying hi to everybody, uh, Jeff Rip- Ripplinger, uh, we got Cold Gin 5150, and, uh, who else we got, Timothy Pierce, what's going on, Patrick Cowles, Timothy apparently does not have a life. He always is here. He's always here. I, I, He's I like think, us. We don't have a life. We don't have a, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Tim. Don't don't stop coming. <laughs> Please, yes. Uh, okay, wait, wait. Patrick House. Cheers got my 74 Marshall JMP and 66 Fender Bandmaster cooking. Electrons in the garage waiting for the show. Okay. Uh, I'm just quickly saying hi, Kyle, to people, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm just looking through to see if there's any. Charles Graziato, how's it doing? We got Chris, Henry Goldsith, um, Dan Pfeiffer, 
let's see who else. Gabe Gabrielson. Does Dave have his scotch? He wants nope. to know. No scotch today. No scotch today. Okay. Water. Uh, okay. All right. You're you're. Actually, I have tequila you're, in the other room. You're a, really you're a wuss. Why? What? What? What's what's happening? Uh, uh. Well, you know, I'm saving up for the show in Detroit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gotta I gotta book my thing for that. By the way. Yeah. Uh, God Zoidberg. Kyle, Kyle, you're in Ohio. Where are you in Ohio? We're in Cincinnati now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, I, I was in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, I went to went to Purdue and and kind of stuck around, and then I met my wife there. Actually, she got her PhD at Purdue, and then once she had that, she was job hunting and uh, landed at uh, Miami University in, in Oxford, Ohio, uh, which is very confusing. Yeah, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Yeah, I totally confusing. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just outside of Cincinnati. We <laughs> we live uh, between Oxford and and Cincinnati, uh, or actually between o- Oxford and Hamilton is kind of where we're at. And uh, we love Cincinnati; it's a great area. And uh, well, yeah, Ohio is great. You know, I'm from Detroit, so it's like right there. It's like sister state. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Whenever I think of uh, Ohio, I'm, I'm always thinking uh, Skyline Chili. <laughs> Which isn't actually chili, right? It's, it's... Right, it's spaghetti with chili. <laughs> have, have you had it? Yeah, yeah, that confused me when I had to learn all about it. Okay. All, the different, all the different ways and everything. Right, yeah. There's a, there's actually a place down here in Florida, which is like, it's the one only one down here. Dave, you ever had that? Chili and spaghetti? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know who it's called. But yeah, but I, I just don't under, quite understand that one. But okay, me either. It's like a heavy meat sauce, basically, with a little more chili flavor. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't quite get that. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it, I remember when a, fr- a friend of mine took me over there. I was like, "What is this?" You know, it just wasn't. But okay, you know, there's all kinds of different shit out there. So. <laughs> So that's cool. Um, so how long you been out there? Uh, see, so we bought this house in um, October 2014, and I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, it's like I have to check the dates. Is that right? I think that's right. And because essentially, once we bought this place, I I then had three jobs because I I was still still had a house in Lafayette still had a day job in Lafayette. I'd kind of transitioned to a more of a uh, uh, telecommute type arrangement. And then I was back and forth between Indiana and Ohio for a couple of years, basically um, building my shop, building the, the current shop I'm in. And uh, so I, you know, I'd like free jobs at that point. <laughs> that's it. That's why it took a little while. And then once that was all done, uh, we sold the Indiana house like in amazingly easily. Uh, I can't believe that how, how easy that went. Um, and then uh, transitioned and, and here we are. So we, we really love the area. I, I love it just from a business standpoint too, because I'm so much closer to things and things are so much easier than they were in Lafayette because Lafayette was not a small town by any means, but it wasn't big enough to have things like a, a plywood distributor. Uh, so Indianapolis would be my next closest place. And it's just all that kind of stuff became 
so much easier. Um, you know, I get wood delivered for, for nothing, basically get metal delivered. No problem. Um, so that, that kind of thing is great. And, uh, it just makes doing the, doing business a little easier, you know, trucks can come in easier and all that kind of stuff too. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, cool. yeah, I, I, I digress on that, but it's, uh, <laughs> It's, well, it's been it's been a good move for us. That's cool. That's good stuff. Um, I uh, I had a question that came up, a, a topic that came up um, today. I wanted to bring it up and see what you guys think. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is interesting. All right. So, um, do you know? Um, okay, analog Mike Piera. Okay, so he had an interesting post today about what do you do when you have um, bad customers who you don't want to sell to or people who buy, like he just had all these ex- examples of, but then you're you're scared about retaliation of, it was really interesting. I was like, God, he was like, I, I don't want to work on this person. Like they were rude to my employee. I don't want to work on their pedal, but if I don't, then they're going to go nuclear on me. And how do I fire a customer? And I was like, Ooh, I, you know, I think ultimately the answer is you can't. Yeah. You, you can't really not. Well, there's some things maybe you can do to sort of get rid of them nicely, but, uh, <laughs> You know, you get the the prices go up, right? And it's like you know, the prices the prices go up a lot. Um, so you get the you get know, the that's, paint, that, you get that's the a paint. that's a tough one. Yeah, you, you kind of it's just no matter what you sort of just need to be nice to everyone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So and uh, but you know, you got to suck it up. Yeah, it depends. You know, you can maybe yeah, something. Everything can bite you in the ass somehow. So, um, you got to be very careful with that one, especially today's day and age. Yes, yes. You know, it just it's just not worth it. It's better. It's better just to get your product done and get it out there. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? I was curious. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I I don't ever, uh, or at least I have never cut anyone off or refuse to do things for people um you just kind of grin and bear it you know if you're not you know i don't have to be this guy's friend per se but i try i yeah i'm the nicest i can be to all my all my customers and a lot of them end up becoming friends Mm. you know the ones that i kind of click with uh and then there's others that just don't and you know uh, i'm happy when it's when the transaction's over uh in some cases but mm-hmm. in most cases, it's by and large, it's actually not that bad. But there are a couple of bad apples that they stick in your mind for sure. And then you're kind of like, when that email comes from them, you're like, oh, something, <laughs> is something broken? You know, what's the deal? And then it's just they want to buy something. Okay, well, that's like the best thing that can happen anyway. Yeah. They want to buy more stuff. I think Dave uh, feels that way when he gets an email from me. It's usually <laughs> something that's broken. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know my <laughs> I won't even say it forget it 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's fun. Yeah, you know that. that, that that's, yeah, it's, it's just a it's a tough one. I, I it is. I was, trying, I was trying to remember a story I had that someone was someone was really like once going off on me for no reason, and and and. Uh, and like I'm on the f- like literally it's somebody about a rig or something, and I'm like literally on the phone with them on a Sunday night at you know at like eleven o'clock at night trying to help them suss out their issue, and they start to go off on me, and I'm like going, look, <laughs> I finally went, wait a minute here, I'm sitting here on the phone on a Sunday night with you trying to help you out, and I've been on the phone with you. And, and for, you know, all day about this and, and you're getting, you're, you're giving me shit for something that's not my problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I, I literally, I basically yelled at him and then all of a sudden, and mm. all of a sudden then he spun around and was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and uh, I like going, okay, that's fine. But <laughs> yes, yeah, so, sometimes I think they need to have it put in their in perspective. You know, you're not, this big company that has a customer service department. I mean, you are the customer service department and you're taking time out of your day that is consists of, you know, ordering parts, designing things, building things, you know, managing a couple guys, whatever, uh, putting out fires, whatever it might be. And you're, and you're, you know, they're one of the fires you're just trying to put out. And, and, uh, when they, when they aren't appreciative of it, then it makes it that much harder. But at least if it's a Sunday night and you're doing this and they're appreciating it and you can joke a little bit about what's going on or, you know, just have fun with it, um, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, I mean, as as long as everybody's courteous and, I mean, look, you know, things go wrong, things happen, things break or you have problems with something or whatever it is. But um, I I know that just people, I don't know what it is in today's environment. A lot of people get very uppity, very quick. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like they, they kind of go off quickly on things. Well, it's sort of like the, you know, the guy that has had an amp for four years or something. And then, and then, and then, you know, he blows a fuse or something. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's a set of power tubes. It's, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's calling me like, what are you going to do about it? What do you mean? What am I going to do about it? It's, it's been four years. You've owned the amp for four years. I'm not going to do anything about it. Here's simple. It's a power tube. Get yourself a new set of power tubes. Take it to someone. Have your amp biased. And you'll all be good. That's all that's wrong. It's, it's, it, you know, it's like, well, you know, and I'm like, wow, what happened? Like when I was growing up, it was just it's just like, oh, what's the problem with the amp? I got to take it to the repair guy. You know, right. and, and they just the service. get it back and you're good, good to go, you know. They think it's been forgotten, right? Or, or, uh, maybe, maybe that's just because you know we, you know, I grew up in the age of tube amps mostly, you know, and it's just like this is normal stuff would get repaired, not thrown away, you know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was uh, it's a little true. different now, I guess. Yeah, I think it, it is. It's a, it's a totally different customer service issue if you know the amp arrives and they plug it in, it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, or, you know, a week later it doesn't work or something. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Versus, yeah, we have years. a we have a three month warranty on the tubes. Yeah, 
Which is fantastic. Just and that. believe me, that's bit us in the ass. Um, in this current state of tubes, mm-hmm. but um, I think we're good now. <laughs> yeah, things have gotten better. It, there was an episode, Dave, that I listened to. I can't remember if it was the James Brown episode or a different one where you're talking about tubes and yeah. you went through some different ones that you tried and and i was curious what you settled on what what are you using now well what we settled on what seems to be the most reliable at least for el34s um was electro harmonics el34s you know what so far so good and and, and we're doing a lot of amps so yeah. we start to see it right away if there's issues the the jj's became impossible to use um uh, at least on a larger scale, it was impossible to use. Uh, I still have amps out there that are new in stores that all of a sudden they go and, the you know, pops the fuse and it's just like, you know, even though it's a year old amp, but it's new when they buy it, you know. Uh, so that still bites us in the ass to this day, you know. Yeah. And the the Chinese EL34, although it was a, it was a decent tube, it has a lot of physical uh limitations it, it can't take much abuse it can't take take much rattling around um for a while we were getting them where we literally i'd be hitting them with a screwdriver on the bench you know <laughs> making sure that uh they weren't going to short and like i was getting new ones out of the box it was just like tap <laughs> just short short and they're just like i can't use these anymore wow um, it's like the Mesa hammer test, right? With the, the hammer handle. Yeah, you got you got to bang on the tubes a little bit. It just you know you have you have to do that because that's what happens. You know the amp gets rattled around, and banged around, and that's what happens. It should survive. If it's good tube, it'll survive. I mean, I get old amps in for service and stuff that I do for people that still have tubes from the '60s in them. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They work fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they work great. Right, so, you don't need right. you don't need to replace them. Leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times people ask me now. Oh, should, it's been a year. Should I replace my tubes? I'm like, is your amp working? Yeah. Does it sound good? Yeah. Then don't replace them. Just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, because yeah. honestly, if they're working, that means that's a good set, and they've been working for a long time, and you're good to go. You know, it's going to keep working. Mm. Um, I mean, is there a certain point where you like ten years if you got a pair of you know, well, you'll know, you'll know if they, you know, if you start having some issues and it starts fluctuating in volume or sounds kind of weak and just kind of mm-hmm. crappy, you'll, you'll kind of know. I don't think anyone, anyone hobbyist is using their amp enough, shall we say, to warrant yeah. changing the tubes. You probably could go 10 years. I mean, you know, it's totally different if it's a, it's a band on the road that they're playing every single night couple hours a night it's getting banged around beat up you know it's a different thing yeah yeah if you're turning the amp on an, an hour a day nah maybe not yeah no not i mean not at all you're not even and you're not even and you're playing at a, a quiet volume right i say you're not even you're not pushing these tubes at all they're not doing anything that's true that's true nothing you gotta push <laughs> just warm Hey, we actually had a question for Kyle. Interesting question. Um, 
Tom Keenan wanted to know, Kyle, do you do mods or are you just focusing on your own products? Yeah, that's, I, I've only done just a handful of mods. I mean, maybe four or five, mm. not, not many at all. And mainly cause yes, I'm just focusing on my stuff. Um, it, it can, I, I understand it can be a good business for sure. And, uh, but there's just a lot of logistics stuff. I mean, you probably spend more time unpacking and repacking likely properly because the amp didn't come packed properly. Oh, no, that never happens. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to spend more time just in that process than, than doing the mod. Uh, in some cases, I'm sure, uh, I, I just have not been interested in that. I, I've got some in the back of my head. I've, I mean, I've got some plans. Maybe, maybe it'll be part of the business one day, uh, but only when we've got capacity. Uh, you know, I don't want to overwhelm my business doing mm -hmm. mod work when you know we're already swamped as it is doing new builds. Um, it seems to make more sense to get our products out than than yeah. spend a bunch of time modding stuff. Um, but that being said, I think it'd be cool to do some stuff. I've got some ideas. Like, I mean, I could incorporate some ideas that I had in the direct fires, no problem. You know, 5150s, no problem. Uh, what have you. And I've done that, but just a few times, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I've got, it, it especially makes sense if I've got, like right now I've got one guy that helps me in the electronics side. If I've got two or three guys and I've got some capacity, yeah, I mean, makes sense to not pay them to sit at the bench just because yeah. i'm do, doing something um you know because anyone could do the, the mods it's it's not it's not about the uh, the work so much as you know what it, what it was a line about the you know the you pay the guy to know which switch to flip not you know to flip the switch mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine so, so i think i think there's there's room for it in the future you know, especially to, you know, we're getting more of a name for attached to ourselves, you know, where, you know, like a, a modded by KSR means something more than it, it did mm -hmm. eight years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, never say never, but not now, not currently. And okay. I've got, a, I've got an email. If you email me and ask me about mods, I flag it with this guy wants a mod. So that way, when I, when I start doing mods, I'll ha I've got a list. So rest assured, I have a list of all you people that I've had. He's got a database. There you go. <laughs> That's cool. So I have a question because it, it was, you mentioned it. I saw so I, Dave, I sold the Splon. Yeah. Finally sold it on reverb. So I have to ship it tomorrow. Uh huh. All right. So we were just saying ship, you know, you, you've gotten shipments from people where they didn't pack an amp pro properly. What would you? How, what's the best recommendation for shipping an amp? Like how packing it properly and shipping it. I don't, don't have don't, an original. Don't, don't have an original. Use, I don't have don't an original use, box or anything. So don't no packing peanuts. Okay, <laughs> that's the first. That's the first thing I'd say. No packing peanuts. Uh, bubble wrap. You can do it with bubble wrap. You just got to make sure you have about two inches worth around the the product. Um. That works fine in a good box. Okay. Um, it's not going anywhere. But when I, when I mean bubble wrap, I mean the bigger bubble, and I mean like two inches. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, like thick. It, it works works great. It's going to cost you a little bit for the packing. You can do other things with foam and some different things. It, it's, you know, it's a little. 
a little harder. I think the simplest way is with bubble wrap. Okay. It's proven to be really good. It's as long as you pack it tight and there's enough packing around every part of the amp. And it can't be loose in a box. Yeah, right, right. It can't be exactly. rattling around in the box. It's got to be nice and it'll tight. Be tight. Yeah, you know, exactly. Tight and sealed. Tight. And, yep. and, and it'll be fine. Just right, use, common, use common sense, really. I mean, well, you know, like, do you take the tubes out? I don't believe in that. I've had more more people have problems with the tubes that they took out and sent because they didn't pack those well enough and then they broke. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think you have to. I mean, you know, like if the, if you think the tubes are going to rattle out the, of the sockets of the amplifier, um, no, they, they have they have strength. They have tube retainers. They have tube retainers. Then nothing's going to happen to them. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same, the preamp tubes definitely nothing's going to happen to. So yeah, if anything, I was just thinking about taking out the, the power tubes. But all right, no, it's good. It's I don't good think you really have to, to be honest. All right. I mean, I get a lot of amps here. Majority of them don't have power tubes taken out, and they're always fine. Now, I'm not saying that something can't happen to a power tube, but right, you know, I've seen them get wiggled out or rattled loose before. But uh, if you think that's going to happen, but you've got retainers, so it won't happen. If you were to think that was going to happen, I'd just put bubble wrap in the back of the amplifier and make sure you tell people that there's bubble wrap in the back of the amplifier. <laughs> yeah. Because I've had people turn on the amplifiers with the bubble wrap in the back of the amplifier, oh. which, is, which is a uh, which is as you can a imagine nightmare. a kind of a mess. But then the bubbles start melting on your tubes, and oh god, that would be that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That would smell like shit. What's smelling? Oh, yeah. yeah. The amp's on fire. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So, so um, I saw my buddy Greg Riley is on the chat. Yeah, I saw and Greg. He, uh, yeah, he, Greg's a good guy. Yeah. He asked, he asked a, a question I have a really nerdy answer to. He asked where the name Juno came from for our new amp. It's our new three-channel amp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the, the the super nerdy answer is uh, the Juno spacecraft that the Jupiter uh, probe has. If you look at a picture of it, it's got a body and then three solar panels. And the three solar panels, you know, it's three-channel amp. So that's where it came from. There you go. <laughs> ah, that and is I'm nerdy. a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's nerdy, yeah. Uh, by the way, DJ Asterisk wanted to know what model of the Splon I had. I had a quick... quick a hundred watt quick rod. Um, it's a cool amp, but just wasn't for me. So uh, once I got a couple other amps like Dave's BE one hundred and a few other things, and I also have a Marshall Silver Jubilee. I, I got a bunch of things that do kind of the similar thing. So it was like something had to give. So away so, it went. Away it went exactly. Thank God for reverb. Kurt Metropolis says hi. He just sent me this. Oh, all right, bastard! <laughs> Is he watching us? Yeah, he just sent me a glass of scotch. Cool. Tell George we say hi, or I'm telling him, "Hey, George." <laughs> George, <laughs> we say hi. That would be a convoluted way for me to tell him. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. <laughs> now, having George was great. We need to have him back on. Yeah, when we when we had George on the show, I, I actually thought we were going to talk about scotch for the show. We, we did. We did for a good portion of the show. We talked about scotch. Yeah, it was. He gave us like a like a scotch one on one. 
dissertation on scotch. Yeah. Its origins and everything else. I thought, yeah. And I haven't maybe touched that bottle fun. since. Maybe it'd be more. Oh, maybe, <laughs> can't believe it. Uh, maybe it'd be more fun to do a show on scotch the whole show. How about it, guys? <laughs> That'd be fun. Scotch talk. Scotch talk. I wouldn't have much to say. I would just do all the drinking. <laughs> well, actually, if we were all drinking, probably uh, no one would have much to say by the end of it. I, I've proved that in one of my episodes. <laughs> yes. That was the uh, George Pahone. That was the, uh, in, yeah, the, the uh, whoops, I didn't eat any dinner or lunch, and I decided to start drinking. Okay. <laughs> Potent stuff, too. It made for a great show, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, but the end of it was very funny. Yep. For great. all you guys. <laughs> um, by the way, someone said we should have Scott's Blunt on. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Scott's sure. a good guy. Um, I, I had asked him before, and he can definitely, if he, if he's listening or. See, you know, look, guess, the iced coffee tones goes to three plus hour blind drunk shows are the best. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because someone wrote me recently and they were like, hey, just want to, you know, I really enjoy the show. But just as a suggestion, you guys might want to, you know, cut back on the length, you know, have it more like, you know, structured 45 minute shows. I was like, yeah, that's not for us. That's not really what what we do. Cheers to you. Watch for 45 minutes then. Right. (laughs) I was really surprised. I think James Brown episode was the first one I listened to and I was working during it uh, out in the shop and I'm like. This thing's been going on a long time, I, and I looked at the time. <laughs> Holy crap! This thing's three hours long, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, we've had we, you know, we've had them every, you know, we've had shows everywhere from like an hour to four. So um, uh, almost so, you know, no, almost five. It was four and a half hours with John and Pete. Okay, well, look, let's look at this here now. Now you see, now it's seven fifteen right now here, so it's been over an hour already. And it doesn't really feel like we've talked about much of anything yet. So th- this is this is how it goes. This is how it right. goes. So. Yep, it's true. It's true. It's- well, an hour is all I had blacked out. So see you guys. <laughs> all right, and that there goes, and there's there the, go. all right. There's Kyle, the show. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> it's nice uh, sometimes to have shorter shows too, but uh, yeah. You can't. Oh, is so gold golding fifty one fifty said Doug Pinnock would be awesome to have on the show. Well, hmm. after Jerry Cantrell's birthday, I'm kind of best friends with him. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and we got, we got to have Jerry on the show, too, by the way. Yes, we do. That will happen. That'll be uh, a cool show. Yeah, that'll happen. It will happen. Uh, ch- chances are that might be, a, you know, an hour, hour and a half show. But... Hey, whatever he gives us. He's, he's not, he's not going to do f- four hours. No, probably not. No. Um, so, uh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I had that one question that I thought was interesting. That was from analog Mike. Um, I think we've all had tough customers. Um, there was one other question, Dave, that someone sent me before I, uh, before we jump back to Kyle. Um, and I just want to find their email. Uh, okay. Um, he okay no 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 that was uh wait why why can't I find it all right never mind I I lost their email 
My bad. Well, there you go. I thought I had it. If someone has any idea what Mark's talking about, (laughs) chime into the chat. Uh, oh, oh, here. No, that's it's he. It was a there was a question to you. I remember it was about the the JJ amp and how that started with Jerry. So that was it. That was it. But basically, um, they had another question that was tied to it. But I that uh, was a, well, a long, how did that start? I can answer that pretty easy. Uh, so, um, well, it really started a long, long time ago. I I built Jerry Cantrell's rig before the uh, uh, for the touring cycle of Dirt back in the early '90s, and that's when I first met Jerry. And uh, so I did I did all this stuff back then. And uh, fast forward a bunch of years, um, hadn't seen him for forever. And uh, and then uh, a sound man friend of mine, Tom Abraham, was working for Alice in Chains, and Tom called me up and, and was like asking me some questions. He was trying to help Jerry get his rig together or what he was going to use on this thing. And, and then that, then I came over and then that became, I'm making Jerry's new rig. Mm. And uh, so we started with that. And then I, I was developing these amps at the time. And so he had the rig out on the road for a while. I think at the time it was like an Uber shawl and a, um, the other, the, the the line six Bogner thing, the uh, whatever it was called, the um, yeah, I can't anyone, remember now. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I was using using them in tandem when there was one heavier amp and one not as heavy. And no, no, the um, uh, no, um, the the amp head he did with uh, line six for a while. Oh, Alchemist! Thank you, yes. yes, Alchemist. He had that for a while. So then, uh, it, I had my friend had become his guitar tech, which I helped him get. And then you know, we we started having these amps, and so then we showed him uh, an early version, a Marsha early version when I first started doing these amps, and he liked how it sounded. And then I kind of tweaked a second version for him that was a little higher gain, and he used a combination of the BE amp and the and the uh, the higher gain version of it, and and he started doing that, and then eventually we decided to do the model together, which was basically the tweaks I had done to those amps, and we made a production model, and we kind of went into business together, so to speak. So hmm. technically, everyone just calls it the JJ, but it's the double J. It's actually named after his ranch he has in Texas. Ah, uh, okay. I always wonder why I was called. Yeah, he, the J. Yeah, he has a ranch in Texas. His father lives at, I do believe, and uh, and it's called the Double J. Gotcha. So, but what, what should have happened is I should have put double underneath the J's, and that would have made more sense. But hindsight, you know. <laughs> well, you could always change it, right? Or no? I, I could, but uh, you know, at this point, nah. Nah. <laughs> That means everyone's pictures on everyone's website and every dealer will be wrong. That's true. All over the United States and Europe. Mm. So it's funny when you when you get bigger and you have that, then you have that to consider. Oh, I can't just change the cosmetic, can I? Yep, that's true. So hey, you, you know there's a question for Kyle. Um 
from Chris. He wants to know what is the amp on the top shelf behind you that is huge. Uh, I think he's on the top shelf. Yeah, probably. That's the Colossus. And that's, that's why it's huge. Classes. That's why yeah, it's huge. Two two rows of knobs Get and big. four channels. <laughs> and it's got big big transformers in there. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't going down that road, but yeah. It's <laughs> a so big. My, what big transformers you have. Huge <laughs> tracks of land. Oh, it's so funny. I'm a Python nerd too, if anyone gets that quote. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the, the Colossus. That's the, the first kind of standard model, I call it. The first, uh, first amp I built basically was for myself, but then decided to try to make a business out of this. And, uh, so you said it also kind of started from the the Mesa um, dual rectifier that you had. What kind of music were you playing? What, where, like, where's well, your musical? You should fi- uh, you should finish that to put it back into context. <laughs> that, it, that well, that it wasn't working for you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't really want to copy that Mesa, but uh, right, it, it stopped working. But that and that's what got me to open up a tube amp for the first time was uh, was that mute circuit failing and, and figuring out how it worked and getting the semantics and deciding hey, I could I could do something like this too um, but with MIDI and but with the sounds I wanted and channels I wanted and all that kind of stuff um, but sorry what, what was your question I got a little sidetracked with no no I was just curious what kind of music that someone had asked what kind of music you were playing like what, what's your style of music that you that you like and what you were playing yeah and I saw someone ask too about metal guys typically metal guys play our stuff and so yeah i mean i'm i'm a bit of a metal head but i'm also uh you know i i I like a lot of different music i like classic rock i like metal i like you know uh, you know i'm not not really like a new metal guy or anything like that but i like death metal i like old school death metal metal that kind of stuff and a little bit of the new stuff but you know that's i like heavy i like heavy music and some of the tonal influences definitely come from that perspective so that, you know, palm mutes are tight and um, things respond the way I want them to. Uh, But I built in stuff so that you can turn that off and you can loosen that up and you can make it a little bit more classic also. Uh, So you can do the more like Alice in Chainsy kind of spongy stuff on the same amp that you could do you know, a, an ultra tight, uh, you know, Metallica thrash riff or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's true that we get typecast as being a metal amp company. Um, you know, it's not a bad thing by any means, but it, it does scare off like a certain clientele. Cause like a guy on the chat, I saw, he asked, he's like, Oh, I looked at this website and you know, this, this is basically metal guys stuff. And it's, it's true that metal guys do like our stuff, but I, I try to stress to people that it's not, I mean, there's, there's a lot of metal players, but that might be just a little more, little more visible. There's also a lot of rock guys and stuff too. Like, and like I mentioned earlier with Andy Wood playing the Colossus on a Rascal Flats tour, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll, it'll do all that stuff very well. It's, it's not just a, a close approximation, but it, it does do it very well. I mean, it's not a Marshall uh, by any means, but it, you can get, kind of like that recorded Marshall sound out of a crunch channel that I, that I prefer anyway. 
Um, you know, I always tell people the crunch is kind of like what I think a Marshall should sound like. Uh, you know, it's not ultra bright and uh, hard to play, like until you crank it up and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, in, unless you're George Metropolis, he can, he knows how to play a Marshall. I don't. <laughs> George also knows how to drink. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and play pranks. Ah, uh, yes. He knows how to do that too. Yeah, Dave's, he's, Dave's going to get you back. I got to get him back one of these days. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's cool. Um, let's jump in the chat. Let's see. Uh, we got a question from from God. God has a question. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, I have some answers for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have some questions for him, actually. But um, but we'll ask God Zoidberg is his name. Uh, he wants to know what 6L6 and KT88s do Kyle and Dave like? He doesn't care what the hell I like, but God, you guys. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Uh, KT88s. Well, you know what? I don't use them for much anything. So, um I don't know if I have an answer on what the, the latest, greatest KT-88 would be. Um, most likely, it's a it's a, some sort of Russian one. Because um, I don't trust anything JJ anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Except their EL-84s. They work well for us. Um, the uh, 6L6s. Well, hmm. You know, probably the most reliable tube ever uh, has been the um, the Sovtec fifty eight eighty one six L six variant. Um, very reliable too. Whether that's the best six L six or not, that's that's questionable. But um, boy, it works well. So there's a, there's some other Chinese ones that's that 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 are they sound pretty good. Gotcha. You, uh, Kyle. Yeah, you're not going to like my answer, Dave. Okay. I, I use JJ's. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I'm I'm admittedly not doing the volume you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I have a... JJ6L6s? Yeah, JJ6L6s. And then if, if somebody, you know, from time to time, somebody will request a KT88. And I have no problem putting in whatever tubes somebody thinks they want. You know, I mean, the JJ606 sounded good. I didn't have a problem with that. I just... I, I You know what? I don't have... I can't say anything about the 6L6s because I didn't use them. So oh, I don't, I can't 34s. say, this is all the 34s. Forget it for the 34s. And it didn't used to be that way. It used to be one of my favorite tubes. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, it became that way because, man, when you start to have to replace hundreds of sets of tubes, yeah, oh, yeah no, no, forget it. Then you, you just want to strangle the tube maker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I'm I'm not saying that the JJ tubes sounds fine. They sound good. Um, I just had re- reliability issues for EL 34s. Yeah, so I, all all our amps are stock 6L6, except for the new Juno, which is 34s. And so I'm using the JJ 6L6s on everything, mm-hmm. but the the Juno with the 34s, I actually put in the tube amp doctor 34s. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Bang on them a little bit, though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they sound they sound really good, um, but like literally bang on them with a screwdriver, and if you, you might be able to get them to short. Interesting. So yeah, I'll um, definitely. 
definitely do that. We we haven't started shipping that run yet, so it's yeah. So yeah, just literally put them in the app and have them running, and just you know use. Obviously, you can always break a tube with a screwdriver, but but you you kind of know how hard you can hit them. You know, it's like they should be able to take a decent hit without shorting, right? And breaking. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that when you know every amp. I, I don't build everything myself. I've got I've got a guy that that uh, Andrew he he does most of our assembly and all that stuff. But I every amp goes past my bench and I put the tubes in it and. Um, finishing touches and check everything so i'll i'll do that when i'm yeah the only other problem that winds up happening with those chinese el34s is after a while all of them become microphonic hmm. interesting you get the amps back and you just tap on the tube dung, dung. Wow. <laughs> uh, which i don't like that very much either <laughs> Especially when it's on top of a cabinet. Uh, although some of them still work, it's just that you know, yeah. But it, if they rattles on the cabinet, it can actually. I even had one that it actually would start feeding back on itself because it was so microphonic. Wow! It wasn't a preamp tube. Yeah, normally you don't see that in a bar tube. No, you know, normally don't. So sorry to ruin bust your bubble on those, but that's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh yeah. so. Well, what, what I do have to say is so far the EH tubes, we've used hundreds of them at this point now since we switched, and I haven't had any failures in the field at all and only a few through the shop. So, Electroharmonics. I might, I might have had one or two failures in the field, but, I mean, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of tubes. So they've they've been pretty reliable, just, just gotten from Sovtech, you know, like Matthews. Um, and we burn them in twenty four hours, and we double check them ourselves too. We check see if the 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 match is good to begin with. Do you when you burn in amps? Do you do you leave them on for twenty four hours straight, or do you yeah. do it over the course of a couple of days? Twenty four hours straight. Okay. Overnight, basically overnight. So if you, they go in in the afternoon and the next. Maybe it's not a full twenty four hours, but it's it's overnight mm -hmm. with yeah, a I, signal with a signal going into loads. With okay. a, there's a big burn in rack we have, so I think we can burn in like some I don't know twenty amps at a time or something, and that uh, we distribute a, a sig basically it used to be something else, but we distribute a signal generator now to all of them, and uh, just set. Lower than one k, like a little lower frequency, hmm. and uh, and just let them let them run. I mean, probably the volumes on them are about half, so they're cooking. Wow! Hmm. Now, so, are you using up some of the tube life doing that? I mean, nah, brand new, should be able to take it. I honestly, after the tube problems we've had, I'd much rather do that. That's true. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather see the problems ahead of time. Then, then have to replace them after the fact. It's a lot more costly to replace them after the fact. Yeah, I also true. think sometimes tubes burned in like that get sound a little bit better after they get burned in. Yeah, I'm I'm usually burning in a couple at a time, and I usually don't burn in uh, under heavy load. I usually burn in with a speaker and mm -hmm. just just idling with the volume turned up and the gain turned up, so that way I can hear. Because most of the time I have preamp tube issues. Um, where mm -hmm. I'll have a preamp tube fail after a period JJ's? of time. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not real often though, really. I, you know, I buy like 120, 240 at a time or something like that. And I might have maybe five out of a box. That's that not I bad. Another box. And I don't think that's that bad. Um, no, but then they sometimes up and fail in the field too. Hmm. So even after the fact, um, I use JJ's in the first two slots um, because, because of the microphonic problems. And then I use Chinese and the rest. And by far, the most reliable preamp tube is the Chinese preamp tube, but not the least microphonic. So that's a, there's a dilemma there. And I'd maybe rather use something else in the first slots than the JJ's because I think there's some other stuff that sounds better. But, again, you can't get in, in the – what am I going to sit there with a box of tubes with each amp and sit there and try to find the, the, the low microphonic ones? Um, that doesn't work when you have another, you know, 60 amps sitting in front of you that have to be tested. <laughs> so you'll be there all day and week. no, no, they'll be there multiple days at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, but I hate the fact that JJ tubes fail. That, that bugs the crap out of me. The JJ preamp tubes, they just one day up and just die. <laughs> they just stop working. Well, one half of it stops working. Yeah, I, that the craziest thing happened to me. Um, see, I need to remember the story exactly, but it was it, it was like the worst possible amp to fail at the time. Uh, you know, Joel from Killswitch Engage touring with Northos amp was doing beautifully, sounded awesome, and then all of a sudden I get I get the dreaded phone call uh, from the from him or the guitar tech. Uh, and oh, you know, it's not working, blah, blah, blah. And we go through some troubleshooting stuff. Couldn't figure out what was going on over the phone. Of course, it's like just before showtime. Fortunately, Joel has a backup. Um, you know, they box it up and ship it to me. And it was just like, oh, so shameful, right? <laughs> mm. And I, I get the thing and it's a preemptive. Pre yeah. And, but it, it failed in, the, in a interesting way. Um, it was actually the effects loop tube. Mm -hmm. He wasn't using the effects loop. And when in my effects loop, I bypass it so that it, I actually look at the signal that's hitting the send buffer. Mm -hmm. It's before the send buffer. So I'm like, okay, the loops bypassed. Can't be the loop tube. We checked. He checked every other tube except for the loop tube. Mm. What was going on was I, I, when I, I moved that signal, the return signal back in front of the send buffer. Um, but I leave the send buffer active so that you could take that and run it into something else. Right. And take that, that send output and run it into. Yeah. Just pull down the. Or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. And the grid, the grid basically shorted the cathode and mm -hmm. pulled the signal down to nothing. Um, <laughs> by the way, that, that should answer uh, Tim Pierce's question. He asked about your, uh, your loop, if it was too buffered or solid state. So it's too buffered. Yep. Uh, too buffered and gotcha. uh, yeah so that was a that was a crazy crazy thing and just just the other day i had um i i fired up an amp and i noticed that my guitar's volume pot was scratchy what the heck's going on here I, you know i'm thinking i've got an issue on my my preamp board or something uh putting dc into the into the input jack and it was my clean input tube grid mm -hmm. Was just putting a, a like 10, 20 millivolts DC on on the grid, 
Yeah. And, JJ, yeah. JJ, that's also an, a noted JJ preemptive problem. Interesting. Uh, in fact, and, and, and how low is the voltage on that tube? <laughs> uh, on the plate? On that one? Yeah. Is it on the low side? No. Jeez, yeah, oh, I, I have to remember now where that is. It's probably 250, 300. Oh, okay. So it's on the actual tube pin. No, oh, no, on on the cat. What's it actually the, on the like, tube pin? I don't remember. I'd have to check. Because anything, uh, if it's really low. Um, 70, 180 maybe. Volts? I think so. Well, yeah, I'd have to double check now on that one, on that stage. Well, um, anything that's below 130 on the on those tubes, iffy, 130, maybe it'll work. Anything below that will start bleeding DC out the input grid. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, this should not be. And bad. also those tubes tend to, the JJ tubes tend to pull more current too hmm. than uh, like say a Chinese tube or a regular 12AX7. So generally that also generally drops your voltage on that stage more than it would if you put the Chinese preamp tube in, let's say. Uh, the Chinese don't do it at all. It's a known problem even uh, – so we have an amp, amp guy in England who used to be Orange's main repair tech. So he does all our repairs in England now. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, you're using the JJ tubes, huh? You got that input grid voltage problem, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. how, did you, how did you know that? Uh, it's one of those, those things that was a uh, – must be a happy accident that I had never seen it before. Um, until the other day on the input. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, I mean, they can work. Some of them work, some of them don't. Some do. Also, it can play havoc if you're doing any, uh, um, if you don't have, uh, let's, like any channel switching stuff that's going right into a grid of a tube. And if there's any of that voltage there, it'll cause the switching to pop too. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I do, I, mean, I do a lot of stuff to prevent that. Uh, even if there is DC. Yeah. But, yeah, trying to rely on it, just working through purely analog. Uh, that, that seemed to be a recipe for failure uh, that I learned early on. But, yeah, I mean, all my amps have a mute circuit mm -hmm. and uh, a FET mute circuit. So, but it's only in one place, unlike the mesas that are everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, is it more like the, the PV one? I'm not sure. No. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not like a dictionary of amp schematics, but basically it's, it's back before the loop. Um, there's it, basically, I take a, a, a photo. It's actually an opto fet. Mm -hmm. So, so it's isolated from my micro circuit. You know, everything is totally isolated. Yeah. It just mutes for the, in the, in the, in the, uh, the it's probably timed, right? Of course, obviously it's timed. Right. Yeah, I've got a little microcontroller yeah. that looks for any sort of change and then mutes for a couple more seconds. So yep. Whatever's needed. And uh... so we got cool. a question. Got a question here. Um, I, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting question. And um, can they? I, I think that I know the answer to why. It, why can't tubes be manufactured in you know the United States? Why couldn't we get some? Uh, tubes made that are better than what's being currently made. I think it's because of EPA and all kinds of. Well, right? it it 
from what I understand, it can be done, and there's far better equipment now to actually make tubes. Um, um, and it, it can be done. But here, here's the problem. So the tube amp market is, is not that big. The, the, the market for tubes is not that huge. And so you're going to start a company and invest all this money into new tooling and new, and new computer-controlled machines. You can make it better than it was ever made, technically, because you have a lot more technology now to actually make these. Um, but still, um, no one's going to tool up to do it. It's not a lucrative enough um, business. There's just not that many. Right, because back in the day, everything. Back in the day, these two places were made across right. the military, the, world, the, the military. military, and everything. And they, they, you know, the tube ad market is just like this little minuscule um, part. And uh, you know, it's going to cost millions and millions and millions of dollars to tool up to do do it properly. Yeah. So, and then, and then you add the challenges of the EPA and yeah. all that stuff on top of that. Yep, and that makes it uh, not lucrative. <laughs> and not lucrative at all. And you know, maybe you could do it, but you might have to spend a hundred dollars a tube for your tubes. You guys want to do that? Right. It turns into a boutique thing, and then huh. so cost cost benefit is it not there? Because you could buy ten tubes for one or, or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I saw through the years there were a couple of companies that were trying to bring back, you know, whether it be UK made tubes or USA made tubes. Uh, it just it just hasn't come to fruition. Not that yeah. I've seen. So no, it's always failed, failed miserably. Yep. Unfortunately. Um, all right, so we got an interesting question here. Oh, one more question um, from uh, Timothy Pierce, which was, "How many gain stages does do, do your amps have, Kyle?" Anywhere from three to five, uh, depending on on where you're at in the in what channel and what uh, mode. So, like the crunch channel is three, and there's there's two modes on that, so it kind of hot rods uh, one of the stages to add gain and, and change the character and on the lead channel it's either four or five and um, the five gain stage modes are only available on the gemini and the artemis and, and that's where the gain two knob comes into play and it acts like a boost uh, just gobs of gain are available and you can change the characters like gain is more like saturation and gain two is more like overall uh gain level so to speak, or like boost level. So um, you could drop gain down to say nine o'clock and then it's wouldn't be much gain if it were just four gain stages. But then when you compensate with gain two and crank it up, then all of a sudden you can get searing gain, but it's ultra tight. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a cool thing you can do um, to, to kind of act like a boost on an amp that people are used to using on, on some amps. And then um, if you crank gain up, and uh, both of them cranked up. Then it's like stoner metal, you know, ultimate stoner metal tone. Mm. <laughs> Just uh, tons of gain and saturation, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to play. And then also great for lead stuff. Uh, uh, 
as the uh, we used to joke about this uh called it note hiding technology so <laughs> <laughs> that's good i like it that's 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 almost that's almost like uh you know our repair technique the impact adjustment <laughs> right right exactly uh, hit those two. most guys that ever yeah just you know just yeah hammer basically <laughs> the impact adjustment is a hammer <laughs> That chassis bent a little bit. Back. Yeah, okay, now it's straight. <laughs> Transformers cocked a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, bam. Now it's straight. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I'll be back in a second. Okay. That's funny. But then what was what was it called? Note hiding technology. Note hiding hiding technology. Okay, so tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so much gain that you can't hear the difference between the notes. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. It's a good note or a bad note. <laughs> That's great. Now, I, I, I don't even know the answer to this. I probably should, but how many gain stages did a fifty-one fifty have? Well, so that's if if you count them, it's different than what is actually going on. Because um, you you gotta you gotta calculate the gain of each stage, and one of the stages just barely adds any gain at all, um, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it, but James Brown uh, and I have shared a few beers and talked about this, and mm-hmm. he he claims I'm the only one he's ever told why. <laughs> okay. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of gain in that amp. You know, it's mm-hmm. every bit of, of five stages, uh, and uh, you know, lead uh, gain level on nine o'clock or something like that is kind of where normally you'd maybe hear noon or one on, on other amps. Uh, there's just a, a ton of gain available on that amp. That's true. I don't even turn the gain up that much on that amp. Probably, uh, I don't think I go up to noon on that amp Yeah, on the gain. But in the crunch mode of like the, the original 5150, that was a glorious sound. I loved that, that mm-hmm. sound for, uh, for rhythm stuff and, and even lead too. Um, you know, it was, it was great. Uh, and I, I, that's one of those amps I miss. I wish I wouldn't have sold it and uh, wish I still can, had that. You yeah, can still pick them up. They're they're not that expensive, you know, no, no. even the block letter, you can still pick them up for under a grand. Yeah. I, I, I just, I want to say one back. I actually know who I sold it to and maybe I'll, because <laughs> especially since I'm buddies with James now, I, I, I didn't even know who he was or what he did, you know, when I had the amp. Right. And, and, and and now that we're buds, it's like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to have that amp back and and know some of the lore behind it, you know. Right. Yeah. It was great having him on the him on the show. He had so many great stories. Yeah, I know it. He you can't top his stories. I yeah. Mean, his... Who, has, who has stories about Eddie Van Halen and hanging out with him and yes, and Alex and everything and yeah, he had great stories and uh, I I meant to do a video of his new amp that he was coming out with. Um, that he had at Nam. He had a prototype at Nam. Yeah, that faceplate and the logos I made for him. Oh, did you? That's right. He mentioned that. He mentioned that you did that. Yeah, next day aired yeah. right like a day or two before he flew out. I next day aired those things to him. That's and, right. Uh, he mentioned that. Yeah, he, he told me that that you helped him out. That you uh you banged them out for him like right out of like right before the show. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he said we talked about it and he sent me the the file and the graphics and all that stuff and I CNC'd it and um 
there's a, a chemical process I actually used for the Juno prototype also where you apply a chemical, it's called Surmark. You apply it to the raw aluminum or you can use it with stainless steel or, or brass or some other things. But you apply that to the metal and put it in the laser and then you laser the graphics and you end up with a uh, uh, like a black lettering hmm. uh, when you wash off the chemical. And I apologize, my air compressor just turned on. Let me close my door. Yeah, no problem. All right, here's peer pressure right here. <laughs> George George Metropolis bullying me again. Was he texting you? Yes. you get on the ball. Get on the ball, get a drink. <laughs> Was there a particular reason why you weren't? Were you like trying to be good or you, you ate too much or No, just uh I don't know. I don't have to drink every show. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I almost feel like there, it's like a tradition. Like I, I got to get my beers. I actually, well, no, uh, people, I, I feel that way too, but it, you got to take a couple. I don't know if people know, but that this has now become my traditional, uh, I break so you're prepared. You, you just get your you know, ice bucket going. Yeah. My ice bucket. Yes. You know, just, <laughs> all you, all you, all you need is like, you know, something to pee in there. You'd be doing great. <laughs> like a trucker. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he doesn't have something. Dave. Well, I, I, yeah, we I know, he's going to know now because I'm, I actually have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys carry on without me. I just got a picture of Mark sitting there with no pants on. <laughs> yeah, I know. No. That's what I was thinking. Well, we don't know what's on underneath the desk. <laughs> I'll be right back. Could be anything. <laughs> That would be funny, though. Really, Mark's sitting there with pink panties on that we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him well enough to go further with that. <laughs> I don't know if I know him well enough to go further than that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the chat room here. That's called a toilet, Dave. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> So basically what he needs to do is do the show from the bathroom and then, you know, this ice bucket and then, you know, you have the bathroom and then, you know, you'd be perfect. <laughs> right. Right, guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what else we got in the chat? Anyone? Oh, God. Here we go. I haven't been looking. Sorry, guys. Uh, said hi. Oh, here's one. Uh, what, what books would Dave and Kyle recommend for learning about building and modifying tube amp circuits? Oh, that's easy. I don't know about you, Dave. Uh, well, we could. Um, well, all, maybe all the books by uh, what's his name in Canada, um, which, of course, I can't think right now. <laughs> I think I know the ones you're talking about, but I've never London Power. Yeah, I've never actually read those. Though so those, I think, there's some informative information. There's. Uh, I mean, like, if you're just learning about this stuff, I think that, you know, tube amp handbook and all that stuff is going to be a little bit over your head. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of online stuff you can look at, too, you know. Well, yeah, you know? there's uh, Pentode Press. And that's that's those are the books I was going to bring up, actually. The, I've got Pentode the Pentode press. press. Yeah, Richard Kunal. So this book right here. Oh, of course, it's probably backward on the. Uh, no, it's yeah, no, no, it's right. Oh, no, it's backward for me. Um, yeah. 
this book here, so it's the, the Fender Basement 5F6A, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy because he goes through and, I mean, does all the math. You know, this is just in the beginning here. Does all the math for every stage of the circuit. And you got the whole schematic centerfold yeah this is is my kind of centerfold right here yeah (laughs) wow and this is show that again show that again if you don't want it's not that exciting no 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 i i I want to break out the moisturizer (laughs) (laughs) but this is the first book i read on tube amps and it's i mean it helps if you have an electrical engineering background if you don't have an electrical engineering background. I mean, that kind of stuff. You're just like, what the fuck? And, yeah, you're gonna glaze over real quick. Go to the wow. next page. What um, is that calculus? Yeah, this it's all algebra. I mean, he okay. he does some higher level stuff to derive the algebraic, you know, equations, and but it all boils down to algebra. But uh, you know, the most complex thing in a tube amp is the equalizer. You know, the parametric EQ doing that analysis is. A nightmare, <laughs> like, and he actually does it. It's, it's incredible um, to to look at it from that level. And so th- this book was awesome. And then he goes into the JTM forty five, which is essentially a basement, you know, with, just a basement, yeah, yeah, a mod or two. Um, and that book was awesome, and that was kind of my introduction into tube amps. And but you know, I had a background in electrical engineering to start with not going to say it all made sense perfectly because you know he this you know richard kunal is a genius with uh, electrical engineering but he also has so this is preamps mm-hmm. and um and power amps wow and i always thought it was ironic the power amp book is the thickest one mm-hmm. because to me it's like power amp that's a, that's the simplest thing in the tube amp but it's really there's a lot going on uh, and the relationship of the output transformer and, and how everything works and, and, and what actual parasitic oscillation is. You know, people hear about it and, and oh, yeah, it's parasitic oscillation. Uh, you know, you got a 100 watt amp, but well, they don't really understand what the hell is causing it or, or why. And he actually, there's a chapter on it, you know. And, yeah. um, so it's, it's pretty cool. I read these books cover to cover. They just uh, captivated me as being the nerd I am, too. Um, Wow. Uh, yeah, I've actually never seen those books, so I I yeah. missed it somehow. Well, now now I have to get them for my collection. Well, yeah, th- these are awesome. And if, P- Pento de Press is the mm-hmm. thing. He actually has a he's a German guy, but he's got a company that's um, based in the U.S. And you can buy these books there. I think you can get them on Amazon also. Um, and on his website is actually pretty cool because he has a bunch of other articles and stuff like he does the same thing he did with the basement he does with the slo oh. which is invaluable for high gain you know any any high gain amp designer who wants to understand a high gain amp you know it's you got to understand the slo and how it works and um so he goes through that step by step and it's fantastic and uh, and that's on his website and he also has a bunch of calculators and things on his website too that'll help us stuff you know, load lines. Oh, I think now I think I'm okay. I think I've seen some of that now online. Yeah, you may have just. And then there's the, the other books by Merlin. Merlin 
Belcourt or Bell. Uh, oh, I'm bad with the last names. I know him by Merlin. There's a bunch of there's a few books he's got out that are that are great. Um, years ago, there was a book uh, on the simplistic side. There was a book by um, uh, Torres years ago on the simplistic side that had some uh, basic information that was kind of cool for the DIY guy. Um, but I mean, you know, buy some kits, buy a tube kit and start digging in and learning about it or take Bruce Egnator's amp class. There you that's go. A, that's a good one. That's a good one. You want to get into some amps, take Bruce Egnator's amp class. You will, you will learn some basics, some, a little bit of theory about it. You know, you'll, you'll get an amp out of it. It's, it's very cool. As a matter of fact, yeah. he's got me another class where it's, he's not even doing a building. It's like a more of a. Just like theory. Yeah, more, yeah, just in more depth. in-depth discussion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to take that. <laughs> just to <laughs> you know, get another perspective. You're close. You can drive there. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just up north in Detroit there. Yeah. You can just That's drive true. there a couple uh, two and a half hours or so, two hours or something. Yeah, I mean yeah, and, and the kit thing is great too. I mean, if you've got an electrical background, especially you can kind of go off the rails a little bit with it. But you know, the first amp I built, I just got a, a chassis from Weber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stuffed it with a bunch of bunch of other stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Or if you really want a basic, you can start with a champ. Yeah. You know, start really simple. You know, and uh, you can just you can pick it up if you if you you have the quest to learn it. You'll find out. You'll figure out the knowledge. You'll find it. Mm. You will. You will quest it out, so to speak. <laughs> you know. That's interesting. And then, uh, and then, but don't think you're going to start a tube amp company because it's not really a good business to start. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough market, guys. It's a tough market. Getting getting rid of the competition already. It's even a tougher market now. I can only imagine. So, yeah, I mean, for a few years back, I mean, when, when you first started, Kyle, it was still pretty wide open, you know. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of boutique manufacturers and stuff. But I mean, now, I mean. Yeah, a lot of those people aren't doing. You know, friends of mine aren't doing that well. You know, it's tough. You know? What's even harder than a, a tube amp company is a pedal company. Yeah, right. Especially a pedal company these days. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's less profit involved in pedals too. So you're you definitely make screwed. A lot of pedals. Yeah. To make one amp, you know, yeah. that's kind of what I looked at. It's like you know, I wouldn't do a pedal until I, I had something set up in order to be able to. Not, yeah, not any any. There's not many people that can be like Earthquaker, you know, right? Who are in Ohio too? Yeah, I think they're up in Akron, some uh, Cleveland Akron area. Is there is there a London Ohio? No, I think there is. Yeah, sounds just like yeah. some obscure city. I think they're in. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we got a question here from John Sims. Are clipping diodes necessarily a bad thing? I know this question has been asked before. Not here, but it's one of those interesting uh, It depends on how they're used. Yeah. How's that? Uh, are they a bad thing? No, they're not. If they, nothing's a bad thing if it gets you the end result you want to achieve. How's that? I mean... Um, 
You know, there's a lot of amps that I mean, like, for instance, like uh, those old Marshall JMP1 preamps. Uh, those used to get pretty good tone out of them. You know, like they used to be really good, really sought after by a lot of people. If you look at the schematic, there's almost there's almost no tubes in it. Um, it's it's mostly a solid state preamp. Um, so. I mean, does it sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Doesn't a Silver Jubilee have diodes in it? Yeah, it has clipping diodes. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the most famous amps out there. And my saturation circuit has uh, clipping diodes, which isn't my favorite, but I have it on the app because people, some people like it. Oh, so the switch, the sat switch? Yeah. Yeah, I've had people in the email me and say um and ask me just point blank do, do you generate gain with diodes anywhere in your amps uh, no okay just wanted to make sure it's like well i mean does, yeah exactly like dave said does it sound good well okay yeah so, no it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't sound good <laughs> you know the, the juno I, it's the first amp i i experimented with diode clipping and it's it's on a switch i mean it's not like it's always on and that's you know, it's pretty. It's labeled as such. You know, the switch is it says clip, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, it sounds fantastic. I mean, I couldn't believe how good it sounded uh, after I tweaked it out and everything. Uh, that mode, you know, it's just it's just it was the perfect uh, it was the perfect extra push from from where the crunch was. Uh, crunch sounded great. Started with an awesome perfect core tone that is like i'm totally happy with but i just want to add a little bit gain well here's the other funny thing is a lot of these people that will complain necessarily complain about the clipping dial will then go buy the amp and then put an overdrive pedal in front of it (laughs) so so huh (laughs) put put op amps and you know so huh okay diodes you know but I, you know, I, I would say the majority of my amps don't have clipping diodes. Only if it has the sat switch on it, and only if it's on, and that's it. I, I don't particularly care for it. I don't use it myself. Um, it's just something that kind of developed, <laughs> and unfortunately, I wish I could get rid of it. <laughs> but it's sort of, it's, it's cool, sort of there to stay. I'm not saying it doesn't sound cool. It's cool. It, it, it's it's. It's sort of just there to stay because then every time I try to do it with, you know, someone goes, well, what about that switch? I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> fine. It's just a switch. Right. It is when you're designing a new amp, it's hard to go back and take something off that you did previously. Yeah, exactly. So, then, yeah, it's really hard. It, kind of as an aside for me as a designer, the hardest thing is to decide what switch not to put on. You know, I, I have a hard time leaving switches off in general. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's about a thousand ways it sounds cool. Yeah. You know, well, it sounds good that way. It sounds good that way. Oh, maybe I'll just put that on the switch because I like how that sounds too, and that'll be good for this guy. And then, and before you know it, oh, no, it's a Mesa Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a Road King. <laughs> that, that, that takes it to another level. Yeah, that's a whole nother look at the back of the road king and go, oh my god. Yeah, the back is more impressive than the front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, honestly, like I personally, I'm, I'm, I'd like one channel. 
<laughs> I'm like at heart, I'm a one channel guy. Mm. Um, maybe that's how I grew up. I just I, old Marshalls and old Plexis and things like that. You play one channel and you use your volume knob and your pickup changes, and and that's how your other channels right there. And it's clean or it's dirty or it's anything in between. Yeah. Well, that's what but the, uh, my newest amp has 14 knobs across the front. So, <sighs> and like so four we, switches in the front too. So there you go. <laughs> um, here's a question from uh, Merkava 2099. Didn't Gerald Weber from Kendrick write a pretty good book uh, a long time ago? I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did. Okay. He had a lot of informative stuff a long time ago. A lot of stuff that was written in articles and things. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Mojo Torch, when is Kyle going to build a Tesla coil and knock out the power grid to so- southwestern Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have I have something on the books for that. Okay, that's coming Uh-oh. next year. Will, <laughs> will it be MIDI controlled? <laughs> You'll be able to you'll be able to control it from from California, Dave. Oh, good. Okay, go. remote control, That's, perfect. Yeah, so, wireless. It's wireless switching. Our, our new our new house. Uh, we've got some property, and and there's a, a big field next to the house. And and don't I'd, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought of how I could get away with building a Tesla coil uh, in that field, <laughs> controlled uh, from the house in some way, and uh, do it while my wife yeah. is away. And have your and have all your own electricity. <laughs> yeah. Go be off the grid. Well, yeah, right. I, I would need to be off the grid, I think, to run the size of coil I'd like to build. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. Um, we had a question here from Marvin Brando. Marvin oh, Brando. Marvin Brando. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a cool name. Uh, could a tube name? Could a tube amp be designed to use a modern switching power supply instead of a heavier transformer? I might be working on something like that. Oh, okay. Um, by the way, I think uh, Earthquaker is in Akron, Ohio. These people were saying the um, the switching power supply thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you could. Um, Definitely for the the heater supply in an amp. Um, That's by far the easier place to use. Yeah, I mean the heater supply in an amp for sure, um, because then it would greatly reduce the size of the transformer. Because all pretty much the heaters are what's the size of the transformer, right? Because the other thing doesn't draw high voltage doesn't draw that much current, so. Um. Yeah, for the high voltage supply, I've got some I've got some ideas for like uh, essentially like a uh, artificial sag mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it's a, like a regulated supply that can digitally control its sag based on demand. But I've already said too much. Hey, <laughs> Bruce Agnator's in the chat. Uh oh, hey Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> What's up, Bruce? Kyle says he wants to come and take your class. Yes. So the, the advanced one, I think he's. <laughs> Let us know when the next next uh, um, classes, Bruce, so we can go ahead and announce it. Um, this is actually a really good point from L. Scott Music. If you want to start an amp or guitar company, go attend NAM show first. 
And then if you still want to, more power to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You walk in there and you see how many companies there are. That'll wake you up. Yeah, it's it's great. And if you don't enjoy Nam, then also yeah, yeah, you just may as well quit too. Yeah, because you have to enjoy the whole experience. You have to enjoy talking. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, we enjoy it, or is it something that we sort of? You have to be able to do it. (laughs) You have to be able to do it. Um, it's still work. Regardless, I actually kind of like it though. It's fun. Maybe, maybe I'm sort of a uh, yeah. Maybe I'm for, for, punishment. for punishment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. So yeah, I, you, need, you either need to be the guy. Bruce says he can learn more from Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you guys just get together? You guys are like two and two and a half hours apart here, you know, and uh, you guys can uh, have a private class. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. Okay, yes, that doesn't sound too good. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, teaching only classes June 2nd and 3rd. So that's the uh, the non-AMP building class, but where they go deep, deep, deep. Hey, so, and then someone brought something up to the other part of NAM, the, the part that's really bad. NAM Thrax. NAM Thrax. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Oh, man. Wear that hand sanitizer. And- it, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's a bunch of bullshit. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't work. We slathered that stuff on all show. I still got the flu after. Mm. Boy, did I get the flu. I wasn't well for a month or more. I I got a bad one year, and and I've been pretty good since. I I, I think. Oh, we lose Kyle. Kyle, you there? Yeah, wait, he's coming back. Nope. Oh, there you go. You're back. We hear you. Yeah, you just went away for a minute. Oh, you're still gone. (laughs) Wait, you there. I see you. I lose you guys for a second there. There we go. You're back. We had a a blip in the internet connection, probably. Probably my crappy Wi-Fi. It happens with everyone. Yeah, don't worry. It's, It's still working on it. But um, what were you saying? Oh, I, I I got Namthrax bad one year, and then this past year I just I got a little tinge of something, but I think I largely escaped it. Oh, it's not me. Mm. I yeah, got the got... full blown flu, and then proceeded to give it to my wife and my son. Oh. <laughs> bad. Not it was good. about six weeks before I finally was like a hundred percent. My first well, name. We got the flu. I got better, and then I, then I got a bronchial infection as a tail end of it. So, yeah. so, and I had to get treated for that. So, yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, okay. But I la- we were slathering on hand sanitizer. <laughs> I, I I vowed next year maybe we're gonna have uh, for the booth we're gonna have like masks. Little skull and crossbone on little, you know, black masks with skull and crossbones on them. And, and everyone wears rubber gloves. Yeah. <laughs> the rubber gloves, yeah. Yeah. Sorry I'm shaking your hand with a rubber glove. But hey. <laughs> you just have that glass wall. You could be on the other side of the wall. Right, yeah, exactly. Inside. 
Go yeah, ask Dave questions. <laughs> through the window. <laughs> through the window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Little fake hand outside to shake their hands with. Be like Bubble Boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Um, oh, you know what I wanted to ask? I know I asked Dave this. But, um, oh, but you know what? Before I jump into that, Kyle, I, the other question I had for you was, can you talk about some of the artists besides, uh, I know you talked to Andy Wood about Andy Wood, but any other artists that have been using your amps or um, guys, who, you know, I think that, that'd be kind of cool for people to hear. Yeah. So, you know, there's, we mentioned the metal crowd, um, a little bit of the, of the metal kind of typecast <laughs> that I get with, with some of our amps, you know, that's, Kill Switch and Gage, um, both uh, Joel and, and Adam have have amps of ours. Joel's got a couple, um, and Adam had to buy he had to buy a rig when he moved to California and couldn't use Joel's anymore. And uh, so, hoping the new album that they're working on guitar tones now, I got some positive feedback that uh, our stuff might be on that. We'll see. It's you never know until it's until it's all reamped and mixed and all the thing. But, but that'd be pretty cool if we get on that new album. Um, the last album, our cabinet, one of our two twelve cabinets, was was the uh, entirety of all the guitar tones, and then the last song was Colossus. Um, pretty cool stuff. Um, Unearth Ken Susie, he's he's been a, a long time fan, and he's got an Artemis and uh, in his studio. Um, Devin Townsend, I, and I'm a I'm a big Devin Townsend fan, and so that was cool to work with him mm-hmm. and. Uh, the most the most recent uh, artist uh, we've got Mike Keneally playing um, an Orthos uh, on the G three tour uh, with with Satriani, which is incredible. Um, mm. He's got an Orthos and, and one of our four twelve cabinets, and uh, they they went through the, the whole U S leg with without a single problem with one of the JJ tubes, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And, um, they're in Europe now and, and Mike is, is loving the amp. Everything works great. And all our stuff is universal voltage. So going to Europe and, and plugging in anywhere is, is easy to do. Um, and then to that end, also Satriani, he, uh, he's got a couple of our amps now too, which is incredible. I'm, I'm a huge Satriani fan. Anyone who knows me, you know, knows that I, I love Satch. I'm always playing his stuff. It's just great music for me to work to. And, uh, hmm listen to when i'm driving or, or whatever and i've been just a i thought i thought you meant you were playing like actually guitar playing like him no oh, you mean you mean playing the cds, <laughs> playing the CDs. I, I i've tried to tried to play some of the songs you know i'm not i'm not uh, i'm no satriani but uh, uh you know i i know a few of the songs as best i can play them but um yeah just i've always been a huge satch fan my brother got me into him uh years ago you know back in the in the 90s when i was uh getting into music and, and in high school and stuff, I'm listening to Satriani. All my friends are listening to whatever was popular. And I'm listening to, to death metal and to Satriani. <laughs> I saw Satriani um, right after the surfing with the alien album came out. He played at um, this club on Fort Lauderdale strip. Uh, I think it was called, um, I think it was either called summers on the beach or whatever, I forget whatever, or the button, whatever it was. But he, he, uh, I ended up taking drum lessons from his drummer for a period of time, uh, Jonathan Mover, who played with him. Um, but it was a great show. Oh my God. 
that was like an amazing show. It was like 87 or 88. When, when did uh, Surfing with the Alien come out? I think it was 87. Yeah. It had to be around there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a great show. He just had the 30th anniversary, so. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Jesus. You feel old now? Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I missed my third. I, I didn't even go to my 30th high school reunion, and I thought about that. That was 2016. I was like, Jesus Christ. My my twentieth is this year, uh, and it's uh, yeah. You're a youngin. <laughs> I don't feel young, <laughs> but uh, but no, that was that was pretty cool, uh, or is pretty cool. Uh, you know, working with Satch. Totally. He bought yeah. a. Okay, I'm sorry. An Orthos uh, last year. It was I think it was March. March last year is when I delivered it, and um. You know, it went basically straight to the studio and they were working on the new album, the What Happens Next album. And, you know, he had 30 amps behind him and it was pretty cool to be, you know, an amp that was on four songs. Um, and then he, he bought it. It was kind of a trial thing. I sent it out there as a, as a loaner and, and he bought it. Um, and then uh, just before they were getting ready for rehearsals and I'd already I've been working with Mike Keneally and got him a rig and then Joe comes to me and he's like, Hey, uh, do you have any Artemis amps that I could check out? I'm like, well, no, I don't, but I've got a Gemini. It's basically the same thing, but not rack. He's like, well, yeah. Okay. And then we started going back and forth about channels and this and that. And then I came up with some mods and did the, you know, did the mods and got it to him, you know, really quickly. Fortunately I had something on the shelf that was basically built and, uh, Almost took it out on a tour. He decided to take it, to take his marshals and play it safe, so to speak. So, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. But, man, that would have just been icing on the cake if, if he toured with that uh, amp, too. But um, he's, it's waiting for him when he gets back. And uh, That's cool. So you're talking about the, G, the G3 tour? Yeah, yeah, the one they're on now. Right. So, yeah, uh, cool stuff to be working with, you know, one of my guitar idols and uh, – that's yeah, great. Certainly. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, he's he's plus he's just such a, a nice guy. You know, he's not he's not the stereotypical rock star at all, which just makes it that much better too. It's not not like meeting your idol and he's a dick, you know. Right. <laughs> so that's also pretty cool. Yeah, James Brown actually when on when he was on the show, he said that building the amp, the JSX for Sash was probably one of the easiest builds that he that he had. Which was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the only complaint Joe had about this Orthos was the lights were too bright on it. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a picture with tape on all the lights. It was pretty funny. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's got all the lights on it. That's funny. All the LEDs. Yeah, yeah. So needless to say, I toned down the LEDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, that's that's the, that's the Satch mod that's now on all the amps. Is the, the Satch mod <laughs> the dimmer? <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be funny, actually. A dimmer switch, dim the lights. Um, yeah, actually, I, kind of stupid uh, nerdy thing. I've got a capability of dimming the LEDs and the Gemini and the foot switches and everything, but I've never done it. I've never needed it. It's they 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 were always kind of the perfect brightness, um, but I designed it in. Never needed it. That's interesting. 
And Chris goes like the LEDs on MXR pedals. Yeah, no kidding. They're bright. They are bright. <laughs> That's true. Um, Robin Hansen has a question for you, Dave. Um, he says, my 88RG100 ES has been playing with me for some bit now. Some days she will fire up. Some days she will not. What should I do? I have no idea. I, I don't. Uh, good question. Um should get looked at. I mean, I, I'm not there. I, I, that's hard. That's a hard one for me to answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know that amp. I've never even heard of it. So, um, this is interesting. Bruce wrote an article in Guitar Player in the '90s about his mod for the JCM 800. Yeah, he put a mod in uh, a mod out, an old mod that he had used to do. Well, that's cool. Mega something, or I don't remember what it was called. Bruce, do you? <laughs> I'm sure you do. Huh. Seem to remember Mega something there. Oh, listen to this. Oh, Bruce Segnator says, any plans for a Synergy KSR module? <laughs> I don't know. Dave? Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Not my call. There you go. That's interesting. I'll bu- I'll, I'll be in. Mega Megan Drive. Not Megan Drive. Mega Drive, right, Bruce? You said Megan in your type. <laughs> That's a new mod. It's called the Megan Drive. The Megan Drive. <laughs> or the Colossus Colossus Drive. Um, yeah, the Mega Drive, he said. Yeah, it's actually Mega, I think he meant. So. All right, he said, this show is not about me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old one. I said that a while ago. Oh, okay. Um, By the way, I, don't, I never got high out earlier. Yeah, Bruce is great. Really good dude. Um, Seven over eight says, Jonathan Mover is an amazing drummer. He really is. Um, You know what's even crazier is that he never did an actual album, I think besides like a live performance with Satriani. So like like all the early Satriani albums, he wasn't on any of them. I think it was the Time Machine live disc. Was it? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I remember him introducing him. And that, that's one of my favorite, uh, the Time Machine double CD is one of my favorite albums to spin. But I think the drumming on Surfing with the Alien was programmed or something, right? Yeah, well, he, 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 pro, well, he programmed the drums, I know, on um, But Not on This Earth. And then I think Surfing, he either programmed and or played the drums himself, I think. Hmm. Um, cause didn't he start out as a drummer or am I thinking of somebody completely different? Um, well, I know Eddie started out as a drummer. Yeah. We should get Satch on here. <laughs> I'd love to get, I'd love to get Satch on here. Um, yeah, it says yes. Time machine. He had a drum drum solo on it as well. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. But he never got a studio album, which was interesting. When I was living in New York, I had He's a calling me. Oh no. <laughs> he's drinking at some bar hey george i'm doing this live thing <laughs> <laughs> george i'm a little busy right now what the hell <laughs> hang on let me let me put you on speaker oh no what's up george oh yeah i gotta you, uh, i gotta pull my headphones we hear him uh, all right so, talk about ants. yes <laughs> We are. 
Can you hear Dave us? Dave doing a little drinking? I, I, yeah, I do have a drink now. It was all because of you. I was starting to wonder if I had to disown you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not meeting his expectations. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to be a disappointment. Don't disappoint me in the Sidhu show, George. Oh, that's impossible. <laughs> I, I expect the velvet one to be there. Hey, you know what, though? So uh, the day before that, now I have to be in Ohio with uh, at the Rock on the Range thing. Okay. Are you, t- are you talking to me or Dave Friedman, George? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rock in the range. That's in Columbus, right? Yeah. You want to come up? Yeah, we could we could talk about that. And if I can't make okay. it, you could come down. All right. I'll be there on the Friday, and then we'll come back up to Detroit for Seduce on the Saturday. There you go, right. Kyle. Now you're coming to Detroit. Yeah, I guess I'm coming to Detroit. We can hang out with Ignator, too. Yeah, why don't you do that? Yeah, Bruce, you should come to the show too, by the way, Bruce. <laughs> awesome. I love Bruce. Uh, and Paul is flying in from Phoenix too. Paul. Oh, yes, I know. Players told me. 14. Oh, okay. When is that yeah. date? That, that's the real trouble. The, ni- the, the May 19th. Oh, he's complete trouble. Yeah. I know. You know, I sent I sent I sent David Black that that thing he did on their record. Did he dig it? Yeah, yeah, he totally dug it. And I told him, I told Dave he was coming. He's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Paul was into seduce, like when just like only people in Detroit were. Yeah. Hey. Right. Hey, how's Mark doing? I haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> What's going on, George? How are you, man? Hey, Mark. It's good to talk to you, man. Same here, buddy. This is hey, the first so, uh, time we've had a phone-in guest. Yes. Time you in or something? What's that? I missed that. I'm headed to the liquor store. So they don't have Yamazaki back in stock yet, but they, they do have a few other Japanese single malts. So I think we should have like a consensus, maybe vote which one we should get. It's fine. You're gonna you're gonna FaceTime in. Is that what's gonna happen? <laughs> Was this supposed to be about amps? <laughs> no, we we're shifting gears. We changed it to Scotch Talk. Oh, well, brilliant! But Japanese Scotch? Did you just say Japanese Scotch? Yes, it's not Scotch. Yep. Technically, it's not Scotch because it's not made with Scott waters or Scott right. Scottish waters or grains. It's uh, but it is single malt. Okay. So it essentially is scotch without being called scotch, and it's actually some of the finest, right, right. finest so, whiskey uh, available. The distillery that, that really is kicking ass in Japan is the Huntori Distillery, and uh, they, they have several, but the uh, Yamazaki is my favorite, but there's several others. And Yamazaki, I haven't been able to get in Michigan for about like six or seven months now. Uh, I'll have to bring you some. Yeah, you probably got it, like loads of it there, right? I would think I can go to the actually the corner store and get it. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I want you to do: steal a credit card. <laughs> <go to> the <laughs> <store>. Okay. 
By it all. I don't want to implicate myself by saying it all. You know what to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know what to do. <laughs> so I just, we were stuck at this Journey Tribute Band show. We just left. Uh, so, well, this guy, he's usually really awesome, but he's had a cold for like three weeks, he said. It was horrid. Oh. Oh, that's fun. It sounded like me trying to sing Journey, and nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't oh, pay for that. Right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off topic. What do you want to? I don't know. Discuss some like resistors or something. What do you have? George, you like diodes? Um, only in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a dad joke for electronics right there. <laughs> okay, so an electron, uh, excuse me, a proton walks into a bar and he says, give me a shot. And he pounds it. He's like, give me another one. Downs it. One more. Boom. And the bartender's like, man, man, well, you know, what's wrong? Why you, why you got a drink like that? And he's like, uh, I lost an electron today. And the bartender <laughs> says, are you positive? sorry oh man oh that's bad bad okay that's what you call too much solder fumes over the years yeah i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) the 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 lead has has seeped into your brain probably true yes (laughs) could be all right or you guys have something? Okay. All right, I'll hang up. I'll FaceTime you from the liquor store. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. You got to FaceTime Mark or Dave this time, though. I, I don't. I don't think my internet bandwidth can handle it. Note to self: turn phone off. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Have a great Bye. night, George. <laughs> have a good one. Bye. Take care. That's funny. That's our first phone. First phone caller. The one and only. We phone, phoned in. Oh, he sent this too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky he just sent that. You got to put a face with a name on that one. That's great, George. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh, take a quick break. I'll be right back. Okay. How you doing on time? You all right? Oh, I'm fine. I've I've got the I've got the whole yeah. night. We can go to two a.m. I think you said one was a record. So. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. let's not do that. <laughs> I think I got another maybe half hour in me. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Timothy Pierce, I can't answer you how many years the Japanese single malts are aged. George would have been the guy to ask for. <laughs> well, I would imagine at the very least it would have to be 12. Um, Most of the time... I, Here's the thing. I've had Japanese single malt with George once, mm. and then I bought one other bottle, and that's the only times I've had it. And the one I had with George was better than the one I bought. So, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. <clears throat> we drank the whole bottle. Is it sake? Someone said it's sake. No, it's, it's not sake. It's single malt. It's basically single malt scotch. You just can't call it scotch. It's single because malt. Because it yeah, it doesn't have the scotch water. Yeah. In it, yeah. Wow. And it's some of the finest 
whiskey made today. Someone said eight is the minimum, I believe. Okay. Interesting. Um, <laughs> Dan Pfeiffer wrote, long-time watcher, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I saw that. <laughs> Um, I know another oh, show. That... Shit. He's calling you? Let's see. Hi, George. <laughs> of course, you guys won't be able to hear this because I can't unplug mine. Oh, right. You're going to see. He's, uh, you don't know if you can see. He's at the liquor store, guys. You're not going to hear him because I don't have the – I don't have this. I can't unplug. Oh, there's the nice like little guy. You can see. See, he's walking in the liquor store. I know this liquor store. I've been here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny, man. So let's see. Yes. Oh, uh, eighteen-pack. Here we go. Eighteen-pack of beer. Oh, Bruce says yep. sake is made with rice. Yes. Okay. No. Uh, tell George that Robert Bogdan says he appreciated his hospitality at the Amp Show. George Robert Bogdan said he appreciates your hospitality at the Amp Show. I see some of the other scotch we bought there. <clears throat> Dan Pfeiffer, tell George to get his own show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get the Belvini. Yeah. Yeah, send money and that'll happen. Oh. That maybe could be arranged. Okay. All right, this is just fascinating, guys. So keep talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, someone wants no, to know. No, like, I'd have to unplug, and I'm. A, I've never. You know, it's going to label the feedback in here. <laughs> when is your new pedal coming out, Dave? Uh, George is asking me, you know, which which Japanese scotch. So I'm I'm paying attention to him and not you guys. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Well, Even though we're doing a, a show, it's 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 live. <laughs> okay, so Scott, right, A twelve and eighteen. Or we could log you in, Lynn. Oh God, we don't want that. The show. I I didn't know that Scotch was eight. There you go. Huh. Okay. Bye now. Have a good night, George. Yeah, 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 we could log him in the show in a little while, he said. Would, <laughs> Surprise he, guest. Yeah, you could do is just we'd all sign off, log him in, we'd all sign off, and he could just go back. <laughs> He's he, all he just go on by himself. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, go, I, I don't have much more in me. But Drum top another. with George. Yeah, he can do it. <laughs> um, this is a good question for you, Kyle. What what speakers are in your cabs? Uh, any speaker you want, really. It, as long as it's a Celestian. Um, I've been loading a lot of Creamback H75s, and uh, they sound they sound great for, you know, metal stuff. It's a little bit different. It's like a welcomed change from a V30. 
Um, and uh, that new, that, or the, the latest Kill Switch album, that was an H75 212 uh, loaded mm-hmm. cab. And normally they're all like V30 cabs and stuff for their stuff. So it was it was cool. It was a different sound uh, that they liked. And I, you know, a, a kind of an interesting combination I I like too is the the A type and the V type. It's not a real common speaker other than an OEM kind of stuff. But you mix them together and it sounds awesome. And it was kind of a happy accident. I just got some to oh, try. Yeah, they they sound great together. That's um, cool. And, uh, you know, V30, tried and true, it works. Um, but I like to blend the V30 with something like a T75 is cool. It's kind of like old Bogner Uber cab thing. But um, also a K100 for metal and a V30 and a K100 sounds fantastic. So it's I kind of pick speakers with guys based on what they want to accomplish, what they don't like. Um, you know, I, I avoid combinations knowing what they don't like. And uh, you, know, you can't go wrong with greenbacks and V30s also for that other kind of sound, you know, that more classic sound. Or even, I mean, I played, I experimented with that combination and we were doing metal with it, ultra tight metal. It, it just depends on what you feed it. But, you know, what uh, guys I think um, forget or maybe they don't realize is how important the cabinet is. You know, you, you can never make a, amp sound good out of a bad cabinet absolutely you you can make a mediocre amp sound okay out of a good cabinet you know uh i've I've plugged a smoky into a 412 and had it sound awesome you know just with the right pedals in front of it or whatever it's like i can't believe this is a smoky you know a little nine volt amp playing out of this 412 Mm. but you know you could you could put a boutique amp in a uh oh you know some sort of junky uh cab or something you know bad bad sounding speakers or or what have you and it's never going to sound good mm-hmm. um it's the last it's the last part of your signal chain it's it's a filter in, a, in its own right and it needs to needs to do the right thing right um what about uh so uh tom keenan asked kyle uh is using the new redback g12h can you talk about that yeah, that's a that's a great speaker too uh, for certain things. I think. I mean, it's 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 a very transparent speaker. It's um, very high fi, and it's uh, it's like a, it's a hundred and fifty watt speaker. I mean, it's just incredible to have a four twelve loaded with those. <laughs> you know, it's just insane. Uh, Six hundred watt cabinet. Uh, it's a very honest sounding speaker. Has a very honest top end. So you might find yourself pulling treble out if it's too bright um just incredible low end uh just powerful responsive low end and um i lo- i got a, a handful of them before nam and i loaded some cabinets with them at nam um a 412 and a 212 and both guys that got those cabinets one guy uh got the 412 he I don't know how many cabs he owns currently or has owned in general, but he's probably got at least 10 right now. And it's his favorite cab. Uh, cool. He just loves that thing. It's just an insane, powerful hmm. uh, cabinet. And uh, Can you describe the construction of the cabs? Of our cabs? Yeah. yeah. Um, the, 
the basic idea of the 412 and the 212, it's maybe a little different than, uh, it's definitely not a Marshall uh, cab. It's it's 18 millimeter birch, so it's thicker than what most guys would, would want, probably, or use. Um, any Marshall cab is going to be more like 5 eighths or 15 millimeter. Mm-hmm. I use a full thickness back. So, I mean, it's by, by any... Uh, definition i mean it's a solid uh box it's there's not much give in it at all and it's this ultra tight no matter what speaker you put in it it's going to be a tight low end um uh, for the most part anyway it's just a, a very um tight cabinet and i build it in such a way that the front baffle actually is pulled into the cabinet like a marshall would uh well it's like a marshall cabinet it's the baffle is screwed into the front uh, edge and, and pulled into the front edge. And I do something similar, but I pull the the front actually into the cabinet onto another plate and I actually seal that with weather stripping. And so I got a perfect seal on the front. I never liked the idea of sealing against the grill cloth, which is like a traditional Marshall. You're basically sealing against that grill cloth and hiding it with piping. Um, so it, it, it seals basically wood to wood, but with a, a piece of foam and then the back is the same way. It's also sealed. So there's, it's, it's a, you know, perfectly sealed cab as, as perfect as you could be. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great for metal. It, it mics up really well. Um, and, you know, depending on the speakers, it, it sounds great for rock and stuff too. It doesn't have quite the give that other cabs might with a, like a thinner back. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a design that's a little non-traditional and it's worked well for us. People, people get our cabs that you don't see them for sale used too often, if, if mm-hmm. ever. Um, uh, and I've been told several times, don't change a thing about it, you know. And I haven't since I designed it early, uh, I don't know when it was, when I first designed that thing. Bruce Segnator wants to know, are they heavy? Yeah. Yeah, of course they are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bruce also- like a... Bruce also said he saw photos of your shop and he wants to work there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'd be happy to have you, Bruce. I'm sure I could learn a few things for sure. Talk about a veteran in the industry. Um, oh, yeah. Kyle's calling you old, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's 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 a heavy, heavy cabin. I mean, loaded with... with heavier speakers. I mean, it's every bit of 115 pounds. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it with, with weight in mind at all. I'm just like, I'm just going to make the most solid cabin I can. And, uh, the only time I changed the design was just going through the iteration of, uh, converting it to CNC constructed, uh, cabinet. Uh, when I got my, my big CNC router, instead of making it by hand, we, uh, just cut it all out it's still finger jointed and all that kind of stuff but just the construction of the um the cleats and things they're all cut with uh, half lap joints and all kinds of stuff so i can put it together like a kit and uh it's you know every piece is the same and it's it's fantastic the way it goes together i'm super happy and then the 212 is essentially a miniaturized version constructed the same um with the same ideas in mind same thickness of plywood and all that and the 212b is just a, a 412 you know narrower rather than shorter like the, the horizontal is um 
and then I've got a new uh, 112. I call it the 112 HW. It's a head width cab, so it's the same width as our our full size heads. And that one I actually used 15 millimeter ply, um, so it's it's lighter weight and uh, and it sounds fantastic. It's the full depth of our normal cabs, 14 inch depth, and um, it's just it's got a nice big sound just because of the volume and everything of it. You know, the, but it's a one by twelve. It's a one by twelve, right? It could wow. be a two ten also. Um, just by changing the baffle, I can make it a two ten. But uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't gone down that path. But I can also make it a little taller, make it a two twelve with like the the diagonal kind of speakers mm-hmm. instead of horizontal. Um, but I haven't experimented with that yet. That that's the beauty of of going all CNC now and in house. I can, I can play around with designs and, and as I have time, you know, make prototypes and, and throw it together pretty quickly. Um, and uh, that's a lot of fun too. I mean, that's talked about hobbies and, and, and things earlier. And Dave, yeah, this is your hobby. This is also, you know, my hobby and I love playing with machines and equipment and programming CNCs and, um, you know, optimizing things and just coming up with different ideas of how I can make something uh, better or faster or whatever yeah yeah so it's a, it's a lot of fun and you know kind of my secret that's not so much of a secret with this business is it's really an excuse to buy a bunch of fun tools <laughs> 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 and build a shop but uh that's cool um you know i was curious before um have you guys i know dave you have but Kyle, have you heard the new uh, Stone Temple Pilots album or the new um, Judas Priest album? No, I haven't. Uh, you got to check them both out. They're great. Yeah, the Judas Priest album has blown me away. Yeah, you know, my yeah my buddy told me that that was fantastic, and I haven't checked it out yet. Um, I need to. It really I is a million. He's notes making a note. <laughs> yeah, no, it really, that. it really blew me away. Like I, 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 and I was never really like a big Judas Priest fan over the years. You know, like maybe I'm just starving for new rock, like we were, we've talked before in the past. But I mean, it just sounded awesome, and the the recording sounds great. The songwriting, there were a few songs in there. I was like, these could have been songs that came out in the '80s. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the Stone Temple Pilots album, the singer sounds very much like Scott Weiland, so. They did a great job. I, that's oh, Dave. We need to get uh, the DeLeo brothers on here. Um, yeah, we could pr- maybe do that. Sure. Oh, I'd love to have them on here. Um, oh, Bruce Agnetter, he left. Glad you were on, Kyle. He said, "Awesome, thanks, Bruce. Thanks for stopping by, Bruce." Um, oh yeah. Uh, so what, what are the, someone asked before, what are your, uh, what are your cabs made out of? It's all, yeah, it's all Baltic birch. So the, um, the 412 and the 212 are, are 18 millimeter Baltic birch, uh, mm-hmm. throughout. And, um, the, the 112, the head width 112 is 15 millimeter. Um, and all our head shells are 18 millimeter also. So they're, they're heavy head shells, uh, by that, it's not like a like a traditional Marshall head shell. It could be uh, twelve or fifteen millimeter. So you save some weight in there, but 
Yeah, ours are all 18, but I've experimented since I've got the CNC now. I've experimented with weight relieving them. Um, and I cut a bunch of pockets. I do this on the Aris, our little amp, uh, just because the, the little amp was not very light and with the 18 millimeter head shell. Mm-hmm. So I cut a bunch of weight relief pockets and I, I cut it down to almost like a quarter inch thick in, in places. Uh, saves a ton of weight. It saves a couple, you know, three or four pounds, uh, which, which is significant when you're carrying it with one handle, you know. Um, and I've done it on some 50 watt orthos, also the full size head. And uh, for guys that have requested it, and um, it, uh, it, I can't remember what it was. It ended up being about six pounds, I think, take, taken out just in sawdust. Uh, but it's still every bit as strong. So how does that work when you're doing weight relieving in a, in a head construction? Well, so it, it's all on the inside of the cabinet, so you don't see it. But basically, so if you picture the head shell, it's, it's just a four-sided box, right? You right. Got an amp in it. And then on the inside, you cut pockets that don't go completely through but they just go part way right, so it's kind of concave yeah it's kind of like a i don't know what a good analogy but basically it's called a pocket where basically you're, you're removing material from the inside of the, mm-hmm. of the shell only so you don't see it or anything but um you're basically just pulling out useless wood that uh is just part of the the, the center part of the the head shell so the front and the back edge those are all full thickness mm-hmm. and uh, it goes in a couple inches and and it's that's all full thickness plywood but then just in the center parts uh it's weight relieved and, and material pulled out and it's something you'd never do unless you had a cnc to to help with that right because it just come as it's cutting it it just cuts it out exactly like that yeah yeah i've got some videos and things on my instagram and whatnot of I, I tend to put more videos of building things than I do uh, of of actual finished amps, but you'll see <laughs> things like that just because I'm just a geek with that stuff. I love I love the process <laughs> of building things. And uh, that's awesome. Let's take a, a few more questions. Um, are the best sounding cabs not covered in Tolex? I like them that way, but. Hmm. It does sound different. I haven't actually tried. It does sound different. Resonates differently. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. uh, Well, kind of think about it for a minute. Like if you took if you took your guitar, right? And you covered it in Tolex and glue, would it sound different? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it would. That's true. I, I imagine the difference would probably be more noticeable or more uh prevalent with a like a thinner cabinet. could be it does with my style which are more marshall style those yeah. sound different yeah. like a like a 15 millimeter versus or a 12 millimeter or something yeah. if you had a 12 millimeter back or something like that for sure. would you ever would you ever sell dave like a uh unfinished cab but like really nice wood like they like some of the other like some well you don't want nice wood you want the same wood Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, um, um, I've done it before. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. Raw, literally just sanding sealer and sanded. Hmm. I would have never thought, never thought about that. It looked nice. You get them dirty and old. It looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ed did those, right? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Bogdan asked, uh, he, he said scalloped head shells. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's just like Gibson. Right. <laughs> the chambered head shell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, have you ever made cabs with hardwoods? Uh, me or Dave or anyone? I guess anyone. Uh, I didn't. No, I, I haven't done a cab with hardwood. I'm, I'm actually, I got a guy who ordered a uh, hardwood uh, Gemini head shell. And I I actually, I built my wood shop originally as, as a hobby shop to, in my old place, I built it to to build furniture for fun when I wasn't programming computers and stuff. And I never got to build much furniture. I ended up starting this business and built plywood boxes instead. Um, so I've got this stash of walnut and white oak and cherry. And I mean, I've got a few thousand board feet of hardwood that I harvested on my old property and, and milled and <laughs> never did anything wow. with it. So it's all here in, in Ohio now, moved it to Ohio and and uh I'm kind of itching to build this this shelf for me. We started talking. He's like talking, yeah, it'd be cool to have like a walnut or something head shell. I'm like, you know, I've got lots of walnut. I could do that, I could make that happen. So I'm I'm getting ready to do that actually. It'd be pretty cool. That is cool. I've always liked how those things look. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I'd never want to take it out of the studio. But right, right, right. Um Whenever I see like a wood head shell, it always reminds me of like a train wreck or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, have you ever made cat? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Thoughts on sixty-five fifty tubes and six V six tubes. David Brighton and Timothy Peristas. I'm uh, I don't. I don't use either of them, so. Mm. You know, I I saw a 19 – I went to a cool shop today. It's called the Guitar Broker um, down in South Florida uh, by the beach. A buddy of mine owns this place. It's a vintage guitar and a car shop. A couple of these places are popping up around. There's one in this place called Walt Grace in Miami, but yeah. my, buddy, my, my buddy Craig has a place, and uh, – so he had a 57 uh, Tremolux tre- Tweed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I was looking at that. That that runs on 6v6 tubes. But I was looking at that. I was like, oh, man, I so, want, I so wanted it. But- <laughs> <laughs> It'd go good with your telly. Yes, it would go great with the telly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, that would be like a perfect match with the telly. That's why you sold the Splon, right? No, no. <laughs> I, just, I bet the Tremolux was more. <laughs> the Tremol, yes, the Tremolux is close to three grand. Uh, yeah, I used to have a Fender. I used to have a Tweed Tramp Champ that I bought from my friend Craig, also the same guy, and I sold it. So that's why I said to him, "Like, oh man, I'd love to get that fifty-seven. But then when he told me the price, I'm like, oh, oh Metropolis is on here now. Oh God. You send him a link. You want to have fun? <laughs> I'm live. You guys are awesome. <laughs> no, dude, I, I'm literally four minutes away from going going to bed. <laughs> so, yeah, George can trade your trade places with you. Yeah, send true. him a link. <laughs> you, 
He wrote, I'm live. You guys are awesome. Should I send it to him? Send it to him. See if he'll sign on. Right. <laughs> we'll make it brief. The um, He'll do all the talking. Uh, on the 6550s, I've, I've never been a huge fan. I've done a few amps with them, though, and they've always been kind of hi-fi sounding, maybe. Maybe a little too hi-fi or sterile sounding. Um, they They sound awesome. For what they're doing, but it's just—I think I, I just my ears line align with the six L six more. Um, the six V six, I've I've had thoughts of doing a lunchbox with six V sixes, but I haven't uh, haven't pulled the trigger yet on that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of six V for most of the time for six V six amps, but. It's like, do I do a 6B6 or do I just cathode bias a 6L6 and use the same tube I'm using everywhere else and and have a probably a better tube? Um, any reason why no 6 uh, Dave, any reason why you don't use a 6550s or 6V6s? You don't make those kind of amps. Um. I don't, you know what? Six v sixes are great in an old Fender Deluxe and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't generally love them for gain. Um, so that's why I haven't used them. I'm not saying I wouldn't maybe try to use them at some point, but uh, maybe I would just under voltage some other tubes to get the wattage I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. gotcha. Oh, come on, George. <laughs> what do you say? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I sent them the link. So we'll you see. Text it to him? Yeah. Someone just said this could turn into a messy three plus hour show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost at three. Oh, there he is. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's up, George? Hey, Mark. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? I see you took my advice. Yes. You got the Balvini. I took that as an uh, instruction. I had do no you, choice. Do you realize? Do you realize that that Mark here still has the same bottle of Balvini that when when you were on the show, <laughs> and you finished yours on that episode? Yes, he did. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> or close to it, I think. My, mine's about that deep in, maybe about that much. That's about oh, it. It's good. Just send it. Just send it. <laughs> I'll take care of it for you. Okay. Bring 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 it with you to Detroit. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? On the plane? I don't know. No, probably not. Uh, I don't think you are. We're fine with it. You can you can check it as luggage. They want the difference. That's true. This is a Kyle. He's an accomplice. He's like, yeah, just check it. It'll be fine. Yeah, why who cares? Why not? Oh now, now Kyle's got a guitar out. Trying to think if I have an amp I can plug it into. <laughs> George is doing dual fisting here. He's got a beer in one hand and the scotch in the other. They're excellent. Yeah. Find <laughs> something you're good at and you stick with it. <laughs> well, you had a brief moment there. You weren't drinking. Uh, actually, yeah, I've done mostly cleanse. So, okay, so December 25th on Christmas Day, I got a kegerator from Chris for Christmas. December 26th, I started a five and a half week cleanse. <laughs> Have you since put the kegerator to use? 
Uh, actually, yeah, I did. We had some, uh, we drank some drafts out of there. Uh, but then the, you know, the keg kind of got old. It was almost gone and I haven't replaced it. So mm. I think, uh, when we get into Dexilla season, we need to get a new keg and, uh, you're just going to move that out to the deck I'm, then, right? I'm thinking just move it out there. Just yeah. <laughs> except for like all the neighborhood kids would be out there while I'm at work. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be catching the kids out there at night pouring their, <laughs> pouring right. their beer. And so eventually, I just don't go to work anymore. I'm like, you know, you'll you'll, you'll just have to put a, like some, some sort of a lock on the tap. I'm protecting the keg. You know, <laughs> that's trouble. <laughs> well, I, 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 when you said when you said you got it, I, I was like, and George never goes to work again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that's like signal the beginning of the end. Like it's over. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm pretty sure I said the same thing when you texted that picture to me. <laughs> but you know george if you need if you want when you come down and visit just bring it with i'll store it for you <laughs> you can have visitation i guess <laughs> yeah. i'll just i'll load it with your favorite beer anytime you come visit oh that yeah see that's tempting except <laughs> that i'd be living at your house like three weeks out of the month well you know i could probably use another electronics tech yeah well that's true we could get a lot done <laughs> you know, a, cabinet, a cabinet builder. Do you know how to Tolex? Oh no, that's awful. I got this I guy. To do that. I got this guy. He keeps ordering cabinets and head shelves from me, and I don't have anyone to build them. Dude, Tolexing is the worst job ever. <laughs> I don't know how you can even Tolex now with your finger. That's oh yeah, how's your hand? how's your hand? What'd you do it's, to it? It's a lot, better, a lot better than it did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I took the bandage off this morning. It was it was pretty gruesome. I mean, it's oh. it's pretty gruesome. I had to get a. Uh, it's it sounds worse than it is, but it's, it's a giant cell tumor. It's just a benign tumor that grows uh, on on digits, I guess, typically. Uh, and it's it's been growing for a while, and it got pretty big and nasty and gnarly. And my wife has been asking me to deal with it for a while, yeah. but you know. Oh. Just, no shop work for a while. Just let her know that medically, the best thing you can do is soak it in cider. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That shrinks everything. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not an antibiotic, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're drinking out of That's good. I was going to say that's good with the beer. Yeah. Well, know. yeah, it's you know, that'll work. It's better than the pain kill, pain pillars. I'm pain, pain, pain killers. I'm not those taking those. Working too. Yeah, those are... yeah, yeah. The Percocets are working great. I, I took I took one of those yesterday, and I I'm doing good today though. It doesn't uh, it doesn't really hurt unless I uh, you know whack it against something accidentally or whatever. So being mindful of you know walking with my hand in front of me and everything. Just don't run the CNC while you're on those. <laughs> oh, oh no. Yeah. no I, no, that was, I just, yeah, I think I really only needed one. And that was yesterday. <laughs> when I, I woke up and it wasn't. Uh, did you have a beer George, with it? Did George, did we just lose George? <laughs> no, I just went to, it told me I was low power. Oh. Uh, Got to throw that charger on. You're just a vibrating guitar now. Wow, that seems pretty accurate. <laughs> 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 No, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, it was numb for, they said six to eight hours 
it would be numb and it was numb for almost a full 24 hours it was wow. like 22 hours and that's when finger. you're looking at it going what did they do wrong yeah exactly <laughs> my middle yeah. finger was numb and my my first finger was basically didn't even feel like it existed um, right. it was pretty pretty wild but then I, I woke up and i'm like okay that hurts and then um took one of the pills of course i had a dentist appointment the next day so <laughs> my wife's trying to kill me <laughs> hey george we can't see you by the way yeah, it said that I was low on power, and now I don't know how to reconnect uh, here. Oh, okay. Um, all right, give me a sec. I'll plug it in. Well, we right now we got your voice, and then we got your uh, we got your, your, avatar. your nice tweed basement or something in the guitar. Yeah, fifty nine basement in the Guillermo. Yeah. There you go. Oh, see, yeah, I'm talking about my fifty seven Tremolux that I'm thinking about buying, and he's got to show off with his fifty nine basement. Yeah, you never know. Maybe George will sell it to you. <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be more than the 59 Tremolux, though. Yeah, probably. Everything yeah. has a price. I, you know That's what? True. Basements came down a lot, though. I mean, at one point it was like 12 grand for a 58, 59, and then you've seen them like bottoming me out, like 3,500 bucks, 4,000. Really? Yeah, That's that cheap. bummed me right out. I'm sure. Totally. They're great amps, though. Amazing. I'm going to run to the restroom. I'll be right back. Dave, hold on the <laughs> fort. I'll hold, I'll hold it down, and, and we're going to watch George <laughs> amp and guitar flashing before us. Well, I'm trying to connect. Um, this, this is cool. So, so Ice, Iced Coffee Tone says, a quick live trading lick session would be cool. That oh, be cool. boy. Um, we don't have any licks. <laughs> if, if we could play better, we wouldn't have to build amps. That's a good point. Remember, George, when, when we were at uh, the Nashville Amp Expo and we were lit up on scotch and beer and you were teaching me how to play uh, Carry On My Wayward Son? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, leaning over behind me, playing the guitar with me between <laughs> you and the guitar. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you, you did smell nice, though. <laughs> well, oh, boy. I got that going, then. <laughs> Was he wearing a really fancy shirt? I believe he was. Generally. You, you know my philosophy is dress for the job that you want, not the job you have. <laughs> Dude, Did it have ghosted like... skulls in it? Was it blue? <laughs> that is a good one, yeah. Remember when we hit the we hit on the nickel slots in Las Vegas and we walked in that store and I got like two shirts for like nine hundred bucks? What? Yeah, no. Wait, let, 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 let's let's tell this retell this story again, so it's, so it makes a little more sense now. So George is with me in Las Vegas, and we're going to see Roger Daltrey uh, perform Tommy, right? So I, I had tickets and stuff, and and uh, so George flew out and he wanted to go. So of course we're drinking, um, and what? <laughs> what is Las Vegas? Uh, and uh, he's like, I want to get a new shirt for the show. So we're walking back through from Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas through where the shops are and stuff. And, and we just stumble upon this shop that has cool looking clothes, you know, not like a like more rock and roll style clothes. And he and he goes in. I'm just kind of standing out in the hallway waiting. You know, he just goes in and. Tries a couple things on. He tried this really cool coat on. He looks, what do you think of this? I go, that looks great, you know. But he didn't buy that. 
<laughs> well, yeah, no, but so so, the, so he gets something at the counter. And, the, the douchey guy is like looking me up and down, like this this guy can't afford anything in here. What's he trying to prove? Yeah, and, and then go ahead. And, and then, well, little did he know we had just won like seven hundred bucks on the nickel slot machine before we walked in there. <laughs> And uh, and then so so George walks out with these you know what I thought was a shirt, <laughs> and uh, and so we're walking back, and I go, I go, uh, where did I go? How much did I ask you? How much it was or something? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Something I like that. Like- I asked you how much it was, and he he gets like, oh, four hundred dollars. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And and then I you know I kind of see the shirt through the plastic and then we're walking further and somehow he turned the plastic around and there's another shirt. I go, you got two shirts for four hundred dollars? And he goes, no, eight hundred dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, oh, so you got two shirts for eight hundred dollars? I was so offended that I put the first four hundred dollars shirt on the counter and he smirked like you can't afford this. So I was like. Well, fuck you, dude. So I'm like, give me that one too. <laughs> so he bought two. Yeah, he bought eight hundred dollars worth of shirts. Yeah, I showed him, didn't I? <laughs> sure did. How much did it cost you in the end after you paid it off finally in your credit card? God only knows. He's still paying for it. Twelve hundred dollars. Two shirts. You know what? Those were some really good shirts, though. He did get a lot of mileage out of them. Oh, dude, totally. I still wear that blue one. It's awesome. Oh, is that that blue one that you, you wear during the shows and stuff? Yeah, yeah. the one with the, like, the ghost like skull in it and the like, <coughs> skull buttons and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, George, my favorite story of, of uh, around the time when we were first hanging out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It was it I was a Nashville, that, that Nashville uh, Amp Expo, or well, it turned into the what gear and whatever Expo. Mm-hmm. That's a great show. Yeah, we we and we. <laughs> I think it. I don't think it was the. It was not hey, the show. He's back. Oh, you're back. There you are. I don't think this was the year I met you, but maybe the next year. Oh, no, it was the it was the it was the year I met you. The year I met you, I, I I went up there with Derek, and we. Uh, that's the year I met the Celestian guys, also, and we were hanging out in your room drinking those miniature Coronas. <laughs> Remember those things? They're like they're like half size Coronas, and then you're like, we we've got all these Coronas, we got to finish them. <laughs> so, we, we just just popping them one after the other, and then hanging out and everything, and then. Um, Somehow, I, I don't think it was that night, but a different night, I borrowed your urine. Oh yeah, I remember that. You're like, hey, just take it, just take it to your room. Just, and yeah, just take it, just take it. <laughs> so, you know, ten thousand dollar guitar. You know, barely know the guy. He just tells me to take it. I'm like, he must be, he must be cool, or he knows where I live, or something. No, you so got I, face. That guitar just sounded amazing. So I, t- I took it with me. We plug it in the amps and we're rocking out on the thing. And I'm waiting for George to come back the next day. 
and we just keep playing it and everything just sounds freaking awesome that guitar sounds so good well lo and behold george shows up this is this was the first year i remember now because derek and i were sharing a room and you show up at the doorway like all right let's check out these amps and (laughs) you're holding another guitar you're holding that that blues that bluesman vintage oh yeah guitar yeah that down, you just down scott yeah you just grabbed it from him and then you yeah, walked out of the room to see what he would do yeah you just walked out of the room with that guitar and i already <laughs> had your ear at, at that point i think unless i'm mixing two different dates i, I think know. you did that's how i recall it also yeah so then you, you show up with that other guitar probably because you couldn't figure out where your urine was <laughs> possible <laughs> but wait, wait, the can, best... can, can you hang on one second? What, what's the name of the guitar that you're calling it? Gil Yaren. Gil Yaren. Gil Yaren. Okay. Gil Yaren. Gil Yaren. Oh, yeah. I never heard of it. Uh, it's this really authentic 1959 burst replica guitar. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I know. I know. Now it's ringing a bell. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. The guitar is, is, is amazing. So, anyway, George shows up. The best part of the thing is, is George shows up at the doorway. He's like, I'm ready to play these amps. He's got this. this bluesman vintage guitar in one hand he's got a uh, glass of scotch or like it's like a red solo cup of scotch in the other hand and he's wearing nothing but a bathrobe like, what hair? that sounds right just taking a shower well okay so l- let me interject my side of the story uh, okay I, statute of limitations i'm sure is up by now so he, he <laughs> you, you you invited him up to the room no, well no so we uh we're at the Nashville Expo, and we're on the top floor of this this expo. But the the um, elevator is atrocious, and nobody can get up there. And we've been sitting there from like it opened at noon or something, and it's four in the afternoon. I mean, I'm sweating out the alcohol from the night before. Nobody can get up to the top level, and they're not going to walk eight flights of stairs. And so we're just sitting up there with nothing to do all day. Finally, I'm like, I'm going to take a shower. So I go, I take a shower, and then I'm finishing up, and Chris comes in, and she says, Brad Whitford from Aerosmith is in the room. I go, oh, finally, you know, and I'm like, so I I grab the hotel robe and slick my hair back, and then I'm like, hey, what's up, Brad? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what am I going to do? I don't want him to go. And so, and so I go in and, you know, and so he's like sober at this time and has been for several months. And I'm like, I got nothing but a bathrobe and a cup of scotch. So I go in the room and we're just, you know, I've got like got my leg up on the cabinet. And we're talking about <laughs> and stuff. And, like, and he doesn't flinch. He's just like nothing. Just like, Everything's all good. There's nothing weird here. And I really want to talk about old Marshall cabinets. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. Sure enough. <laughs> but the, the problem is that it's like, oh, this is working and this is fun. Well, now I'm not going to get dressed. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> You're just hoping your robe doesn't open. Oh, it did several times. Oh, Jesus. Like, so he's he's in my he's in my room. You know, flash forward to he's in my room with this robe and the guitar and everything. 
and he's forward. he's sitting he's sitting in the middle of the room in a chair, just rocking out on the amp. And it sounds awesome. I got it cranked up and everything. Well, he's got his legs like basically with the <laughs> guitar on him, legs spread toward the door. And and it's like <laughs> no one's coming in. <laughs> no one's coming in with that view. <laughs> Sorry about that part. I wasn't trying to snake the whole floor there. <laughs> I'm just glad they worked toward me. <laughs> Well, your amps do sound awesome, though, if nothing else. <laughs> well, thank you. Blue yeah, pants was... off. <laughs> that, I, you know, I think, I think the, um, I think the, I think I got the Garen later because I think it was maybe a different day after we after we got to know each other. I drank your beer the previous night. You came up naked to showed up my, naked at my room the next day, and then I think I got your Garen. Then you know George. Yeah, right. And I think I got your after that because I remember you coming to pick it up late at night. And mm. it was nighttime and you you played again, but I think this time with the Aaron instead of the, the bluesman. Oh, okay. Uh, mm. Yeah, this might have been a different day. That makes at, sense. At this point. But yeah, that, that was a good show. It's, it's a good format. It's like the LA Amp show, but probably <coughs> less busy. Well and, and that that hotel is so like sleazy and like all the all the classic Nashville artists have like had rendezvous there and stuff. It's like, it's pure, like dirty. And it still smells like everything that's ever happened there. <laughs> I mean, that place is just raunchy. <laughs> yeah. I think we left a few smells there too. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so it hey, was the, the Gil urine guitar. Is that, was it, did he also make slash guitar? Is that what I'm thinking? No. No, what was what was the replica that was made for Slash? Who made Matt. that? Who was that? Uh, I believe that was a Max replica. Oh, a Max. That's right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You're right. You're right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I played a few of those. Um, I played, I think, four Yarens now. Um, I don't know. I played quite a few burst replicas, and you know, it's uh, just like the just like a plexi replica it's a moving target because they all the original ones are different so mm-hmm. you're like oh this is a 59 and you go well well which one because they were all different anyways it's so right but that the gill is really good it's uh i've sat with that guitar and compared it directly um with four different real bursts now and so you're like, okay, play the real burst and then switch. Now you play this and I'll play that, you know. Mm. And uh, it's really it's really right in the ballpark. And uh, really the bottleneck that I found with it was the, the way the pots work. And so <clears throat> on an old, like a real burst, like you can play rhythm on eight and slightly dirty on five and then clean and chimey on three. And then turn the volume control up to 10 for mm-hmm. if you want to go into a lead or something. And I, I can't find any modern pot that does that the same way. And so I started, um, like I went on eBay and I paid 125 bucks for one 500K Clarostat, you know, uh, volume pot. And I put it in and it was like, oh unfortunately i put it in the urine and went fuck yeah it does that thing and it's like now what now i have to pay 125 bucks a pot and you're like 
it, you're just like, as soon as you hear it, you go, like, I'm so screwed. I can't unhear this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's nuts. So, and then I, you know, I've got the, the audio analyzer, the audio precision. Mm-hmm. And so I built this little rig where I thought I could like send frequency sweeps like a full range speaker through a pickup and through a pot and then back into the audio analyzer and analyze what it's doing and the frequency response and the, and everything. And so I like, you know, spent a couple of days straight just geeking out on this and sweeping like I had 12 different 500k audio taper guitar pots. And I'd put them all in this little jig and I'd sweep them and I'd turn them. I had this dial that I printed out where I could turn them like in, uh, you know, 10 degree increments or whatever and compare the, the, the gain and the frequency sweep and everything. And like spent all this like inordinate amount of time, like trying to get to the bottom of this. And then it, it, I got all this, like I mapped all this stuff out and I made this graph and everything. And it was like, yeah, it doesn't tell me anything. I still don't know why an old pot sounds one way. And a new pot sounds <laughs> oh, wow. That's tough. Hey, hey, Peter, Peter at our shop, Peter Anders, mm-hmm. uh, uh, guy, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, those analyzers, that'll get you in a lot of trouble. You'll never get any work done. It's uh, yeah, those, it's uh kind of a slippery slope and it's you you know you really have to buy in like you go either i'm going to leave all of my like convictions that i have about audio and capacitors and resistors and everything else that i've just kind of built up and i'm emotionally attached to i either have to leave that stuff behind and create a new sort of uh orthodox if you will by what i measure in audio circuits or I'm still, I'll always have like one, I'll be stuck in that. All those, all those things that, I mean, my whole mustard caps are better than other caps, right? And I'm emotionally invested in that. And to make a measurement and say, well, an orange drop measures just like a mustard. And to just accept that as gospel. No, man, I'm not ready to make that leap. There's no way. <laughs> Well, it's you get you get caught up in that, but you know, to to your whole pot thing, George, aren't yeah. you a, an ant builder? Uh, right. But well, <laughs> I am by default. But really, I just want to be Jimmy Page at the end of the day. So and he's not this an ant builder anymore. Now, now he just <laughs> analyzes circuits. He doesn't actually build them. <laughs> this is this is why you text me. You're like, I have to get all these amps done, and I have no. I mean, well, yeah, you shouldn't spend a week playing with guitar pots. <laughs> How can anyone take me seriously if I don't? You, you got audio, audio, audio precision anonymous need to happen. <laughs> APA coming your way. <laughs> APA. Dude, wow. Seriously though, that that thing is it's pretty amazing. Like anything you can hear, you can measure, which is scary. I mean that that to me is new because I spent 20 years trying to like hack together my little sound card set up with my probe where I could like measure the frequency response of my old plexis and stuff. And then to then all of a sudden this unit shows up and I just go, oh, put the probe here, put the probe there, send a sweep. And I'm like, oh, 
there's the frequency response in my 1968 Super League. God, that was almost too easy. Mm. Yeah, it's it's cool stuff. Yeah, but you know, uh, what's his name, Pete? Uh, yeah, Peter. He's right. I mean, you get stuck. Yeah, he, he goes. He goes. We had all sorts of measuring tools, and for a lot of time, we you know, I used oh, yeah. to, I used to do stuff like that until I realized that I don't get anything done. <laughs> And I mean, goes, just, it's better if I just do the amp and listen to it and make it how I want it to sound, and that's it. Yeah, it, and, at some point yeah, I get a lot more done that way and a lot more success that way. At, at some point, it's really just the synergy of a great player with a great instrument and a great amp, and you know, and then include the cabinet too, you know, because there's there's good cabinets and great cabinets, and you know, when when all those things are working in kind of concert together. And you get that synergy happening, then it's like that's where like notes get effortless underneath your fingers, and mm. the sustain is like you know you can sustain a note as simple as blinking your eyes and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to have the tools, I think, because uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have those days where just nothing sounds good, mm-hmm. and then I'm like convinced it's the amp. Like, there's a problem with the you know there's got to be a wrong resistor somewhere. There's got to be a wrong capacitor or something. <laughs> And I'm like looking through this whole thing, checking the checking the bomb and and checking every you know bill material. Then you AB it to another one that sounds exactly the same. Yeah, I, I, like, I grabbed oh. one off the shelf that sounded fantastic the day before. I'm like, oh, it sounds like shit too. I guess yeah, it's, me. it's just it's just me today. That's yeah, what it like, is. Oh, oh wait, the humidity is sixty percent. Yeah, nothing's gonna sound right. It was screwed. Well, that's why we have air conditioning. <laughs> 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 Well, George, is it, is it too soon to, to get prod you and say that's why we have air conditioning and heat? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not too soon, but it does still sting. <laughs> I don't know if you know the backstory of that, Mark. but I don't. I don't. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an enterprising kind of a guy, and I, I had some PayPal credit available on my account. I thought, you know what? I really do need a laser cutting machine, engraving machine. And then I started talking to Kyle. And he's like, oh, my laser is the best thing I've got. I love it. I do everything with it. I'm like, oh, that's it. I have to have a laser, right? <clears throat> so I found a laser machine on eBay, and it was bigger than Kyle's. So I, I had just enough credit to get the one bigger than his. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> He did ask me, how big is yours? <laughs> okay. And then, and then he's like, oh, I ordered one. I'm like, how big? He's like, what, 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 what did you get? The You got the uh, six well, by nine, I think. 1,400 millimeters or, by 900, I think, or 13 or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it doesn't work. So, it doesn't well, work. It doesn't so work it, because... It shows up like this. Uh, this truck, this freight truck, shows up, and this guy, the driver's all frazzled, and he's like, "Um, I think I have something for you on here." And I'm like, "Well, yeah." And and he had like, he had this residential thing, and he said he had been there three times today, and they, those people aren't home. We had to move this like QVC pallet of stuff out of the way, so I used my forklift to move that for him. And then he had this like crane thing that they had loaded on his truck that had fallen over on my laser machine. So we had to move that. And then we had, we had this like, I don't know, seven foot long laser package 
that was on a four foot by three foot pallet. <laughs> it was a night I mean, from the moment it pulled in the driveway of the shop. It was a nightmare. So we, we finagle all this stuff around. We finally get it off there. <clears throat> I pull it into the shop and we unload it and everything. We, we tear down the, uh, the, like all the balsa wood Chinese crate packaging and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I get it out and we, we sit it in the shop and this is still like uh, February at this point. And my barn is not heated. It's just a big metal structure. So it, it acts effectively like a refrigerator. So if it, it, it might be 30 degrees out today, but if it ever was 10 degrees all week long, it stays 10 degrees inside the barn. It, it's awful. And I've got this laser machine in there, and the laser machine has uh, the laser tube itself is liquid cooled. So there's a little. They include this little pond pump, and they say put it in a bucket full of water to circulate water through your laser tube to keep it cool. And I'm like, I don't think cool is a problem, <laughs> but I, you know, reluctantly. So I I put I hook up the coolant thing, I put it in a bucket of water, and. Uh, so I put it up close to the office end of the barn, thinking that maybe there'll be enough residual heat that I'll be okay, but ultimately no. Did you ever take thermodynamics in class at in college? Uh, no. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> so in the first week, my laser machine, the laser tube fills up with coolant, and it gets so cold that it shatters the laser tube. So, I mean, I, I had it running long enough to cut out like some, some letters for Chris to do arts and crafts with and make some signs. And then it was shot and that was it. So the laser shatters and I'm just like down and out. Right. And, uh, I actually went back to the cellar. Oh, well, so there's more to the story. Another layer here. Also. (laughs) The first time I ever turned the thing on, the emergency stop switch melted. And then I bypassed that, and the second time I turned it on, the power switch melted. And then I start looking at stuff, and like, so, you know, this is right off the boat from China, and you start looking at the wiring, and there's a 10-amp fuse, and there's 26-gauge wire connecting everything. And it's like, this is barely adequate for 240-volt operation if they sent this thing to Europe. But they sent it to North America, which means they probably just changed the fuse and the sticker and said, good enough. Yeah. And so now I've got this. So I have this laser machine. Eventually, the seller in China paid to replace the laser tube. And then I I didn't realize that. That's good. uh, uh, They actually did pay for it. And then I I bought like a, a... emergency stop switch and a power switch and then i wire those back up and i've been out in the barn like with my teeth chattering like putting this thing back together slowly and starting to rewire things but it's not back up and running yet you know you should do it where the heat is well it won't fit through the door because i was i was so hell-bent on buying one bigger than kyle's i can't (laughs) fit it in the damn lobby you know what i did george I bought the biggest one that would fit through a door. Yeah, that's why you're smart. Uh, he he just he just didn't uh, didn't tell you that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Kyle, which one should I get? Oh, get the biggest one you can afford. Yeah. <laughs> well, this so kind of what are you going to do? Don't you have to heat it? So okay. I, start, I start prowling around on these laser machine forums and stuff. And uh, you can get this RV antifreeze stuff and put it in the bucket of water that you drop your pond pump in to circulate water through your $1,000 laser tube. And if you mix the right proportion, it shouldn't it shouldn't freeze again. And so I just leave it running twenty four seven now. So you have it working again? You have it hooked up? And no, the, all the wiring is still screwed. I haven't rewired uh, the whole thing. I just let the pond pump run. It's been running about a week now. Okay. Well, you know what I would do on the wiring, kind of taking back to like an industrial uh, control type type of methodology. I would get like a, a small. You don't need a, a huge one, but just like a small contactor, like a DIN rail mounted uh, contactor yeah. switch. Get that. Use that as your main power mm-hmm. and then connect to that with your power switch and your e-stop. So that way you're turning right. the contactor on and then you can use heavy gauge wire throughout your your input filter into that. And then. Right. The- and so and, and so I've re I've mounted the replacement laser. And uh, some of the stuff, like the um, the homing switches and stuff, I think that the wiring is adequate on that. But um, from there, uh, so I put power right to the IEC inlet, and there was nothing. So I had some jumpers going right to the control, like the twenty four volt power supply. And like all of a sudden, okay, I can I can locate the laser head, and then I powered up another thing, and this worked. I powered up another thing, that worked. So I really need to start right at the inlet and just ditch all that under, you know, under spec wiring and start from there. So, but I mean, Sounds it's, like it's snowed here today. So <laughs> I'm, <still> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out in the barn with the Carhartts on going, okay, IEC to power switch, you know, 20 gauge. Here we go. And it's, it's a slow process. What are you going to be using this thing for? So once it's running, <laughs> as far as Kyle tells me, I can. No, I can. Uh, I can actually start cutting like logos and panels and stuff. But also, uh, we've been manufacturing our own foam inserts for the uh, shipping cartons. Mm. And so, if we get the like two or three inch focal length laser head, then we can cut our own like uh, polyethylene foam and make our own shipping inserts. And uh, there's, I mean, there's tons of stuff. That's cool. Why would you make your own sh- shipping? Uh, you mean like corners? It's not corners. It's actually a, like a cradle. So there's two inserts per package. Yeah. And it's, uh, you, you know, it, we need the requisite two inches of foam on all sides to meet the, the FedEx, um, you know, shipping guideline thing, or they won't pay out on any insurance or whatever. So you can buy a sheet of polyethylene foam and you cut it and fab it yourself and then you meet the guidelines but it's actually um we've been using that for a long time we were having them made uh we are outsourcing these inserts and so i designed the insert and there's two per package and we were paying 1260 each for those and uh, if we cut them ourselves we can buy a sheet for like 55 bucks or something and get 10 of them or whatever so it, it's just a lot more cost effective if we can get this up and running. Mm. And 
knock on wood, we haven't had a single failure since we've been using this whole polyethylene foam insert shipping thing. You mean a single cracked head shell or something? Uh, yeah, no separated head shells. Not. I don't think we've even had a broken tube or anything. That's so, good. Yeah, so if you want to buy that or license it, it's cool. I'll make a good deal. <laughs> it's okay we still just go with eight corners someone wrote laser rebuilding 101 this is funny <laughs> oh my god do you Timothy if you want to have some fun don't go on youtube and watch tutorials about chinese lasers and how to set them up and run them because it's no fun <laughs> it's yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know for a fact you know how to build a wall. So maybe it's time to build a wall out in that <laughs> warehouse and heat that part. We do absolutely. Just a little short one there, and up near the front, boom, done. So I've been out there in the Carhartts all winter, and I've been running the little propane heater and stuff. And yeah, I want a wall battered. I mean, worse than Trump, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I love my laser. It's it is Joe's not or Joe. What's your name, George? He's not lying when I told him that was the best purchase I've made because you can do so much with it. I mean, I used to pay to have all my uh, anodized aluminum uh panels laser engraved, you know, per panel. It's like twelve bucks per panel or whatever it was. And got the laser, and I can do anything I want with that. I can engrave them all day long, and it doesn't cost anywhere near that. Um, plus, I can change the design. I can tweak things. I can do all sorts of stuff just with the uh, the panel engraving itself, customize stuff for people, what have you. But then I also do the acrylic, you know, our little lit acrylic panel. I cut that myself. I um, can cut wood, cut uh all sorts of other things that are, you know, non-amp related, but like he was talking about craft stuff, I haven't <laughs> done any of that yet, but it, you can do it. You can cut leather, you can cut, um, hmm. you know, uh, uh, make, you know, oh, crafty yeah. type stuff. But That's, anything. Yeah. It, it is super cool. There's no doubt. And uh, we have, uh, was, at, our, at our place, we got a Mamaki uh, laser of some sort. I don't know. And then, well, and then we got two UV printing machines. That's really fun. Yeah, that's if I ever got out of the pedals, I'd need to get one of those first. <laughs> yeah, well, we do it with we we print them with panels and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, work, cool. it works great. Um, we have two of them now because yeah. the production's so hot. Wow, that's hey, got a, we've got a question from Jody Coleman to Kyle. He said, "I met Kyle. Nice to see him in here." My question is, what prompted the brand name change? Do you remember where we met in Osceola, he says? So the brand name change is kind of a touchy subject, but <laughs> basically there's this, you know, this guy that, that owns the trademark for Rhodes uh, Pianos, and he didn't like the fact that I had made amps that had my name on it uh, with amplification after it didn't wasn't different enough for him. So rather than spend my hard-earned money in a legal battle that I could lose or could win. I, I was told I had a 50-50 shot. I said, screw it. And the brand was young enough that I thought I could basically take the momentum I had and uh, rebrand and not really skip a beat. And in fact, that, that year I changed, our sales were still 20 or 30% or 50%. I can't remember what it was. It, a fair amount higher than last year's. 
So we didn't lose any momentum. Um, I just, all that, the only thing I have to deal with is just answering the question as to why, which is not a big deal, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was early enough. If, if it happened now, it would be a little more of a problem. I think, you know, being almost 10 years into it. So, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, in, into the business total, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing changed other than the name, the, the technology is the same. It's not like we did anything different, uh, on the back end. So, right. And you also, uh, you updated your website, right? You were telling me. I've tried to. I didn't finish it. <laughs> I, I've got a new website in the works. It's I just ha- I have it live at kylerodesdesigns.com just to have a place for it to be live. Um, and if you go to the, if you go to our, our normal site, the ksramps.com site and click Juno or click some of the other newer products, you actually just get redirected to the new site and everyone's like, oh, wow, look at a new site and don't really know how it, how they got there. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm, uh, you know, suffer, suffer from wearing too many hats. And this is one of the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> situations where I'm, I'm wearing a website hat and <laughs> it is not done yet. I, I'm building and, and shipping stuff instead. So, uh, to be honest, I guess. So, so you know what the coolest thing about your amps are? What's that? Well, obviously they sound great, but the coolest thing that like floors me every time I play one is the 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 acrylic ones where you change channels and the acrylic changes colors. Mm. Ooh, fancy! That's oh. that's what everyone says. It's it's funny because it's like Dude. the easiest thing. We're like, did that just change color? Yeah. Oh, dude. Dude, that's, <laughs> <really bad. laughs> that's funny. I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it was, it was actually, you know, a a customer came up with that originally. Really? Were you one of the, were you the first to do that? Because I think there's another manufacturer out there that did something like that, right? Well, so I think the first one that we could figure out was PV. Actually, James Brown did that. Did he really? With an old PV, um, what the heck was it? But he just did two colors. Okay, and, and he, it was funny because we were talking this last damn. He's like, "Yeah, you know, we did that back in you know eighty eighty seven or whatever it was." You know, <laughs> and his his voice I can't do right now, but you know, he's talking about how he did it. And he's like, "Well, yours looks much cooler," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he did that, with, and it was just two different colors, two different channels, like maybe it was red green or something like that, right? Um, and I did it for the second amp I. Well, third amp I built, I think technically, for a guy he wanted he wanted colors like lights inside of his amp, right? Cody did, and <laughs> it was always a joke. Chris always said, you know, your amp's gonna your amp's gonna fail because those damn lights or whatever. <laughs> and there's a funny story. So I I finished both their amps, delivered them at the same time. Everything was going great until some show Cody's amp wouldn't turn on. And fuse blue, and Chris is like, "I told you the fucking lights." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we put a little bigger fuse in, and it was fine. But um, was that anyway, really because the fuse blue because of the lights? I I I think it was just a little underrated, and and it was just on the edge. So what I did was I I bumped up the fuse in both amps actually. And, um, <laughs> Chris has never failed, but Cody's just pulled a little bit more current. <laughs> but uh, 
then I, I had another guy um, later on, the first Colossus customer, actually, Alex. And him and I were talking about this lit panel idea and talking about color changing and that kind of stuff. And that's where I'm like, dude, I could put RGB LEDs in here and we could make it any color we want. And, you know, so we, seven is easy, but we could do <laughs> millions if we wanted to, you know, like if we pulse with modulate the colors, stuff, I'm like, what? And I'm getting too far. So that's... back up. <laughs> so seven colors it is, you know, and then I just made it assignable so you could have different channels be different colors. And then I made it so that the mode on the lead channels was a different color. And uh, you can actually program master to be a separate color and then mute to be another color. So default is you mute it and the logo turns off. And it's just like a real super quick indicator that, hey, my amp's not going to make sound Um, Mm. and that kind of stuff. So it became kind of a feedback mechanism and also just kind of cool. And that's I always thought it was a feedback mechanism. Like I could just look at the back behind me and see it's green and know I'm on a clean channel. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Since then, other people have kind of taken note of it and done it, but uh you know our first first amp we did it in was 2009 was the, the first multicolor amp but then 2010 2011 was the first uh, colossus with it that's well, that's, that's, that's totally sick that's awesome yeah that, and that's before some of the newer what companies about, what about trace elliott they were doing like blue acrylic stuff well, that was probably around the same time right Ooh, i don't even know I know that the Hughes and Kettner has the acrylic thing, but it, yeah, it's just yeah. Hughes and Kettner. It's yeah. just blue all the time. Yeah, it doesn't change color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was th- I was thinking Rev. Doesn't Rev have a? a yeah, thing? they do. They do something similar. That might have been something who he was referring to. <laughs> Subtle, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's who I was talking about. And... <laughs> um, they're, they're really nice guys. They really are. I I never met them. Neither have I. <laughs> I. I saw their booth though at Nam though. Yeah, they're they're partnered up with uh, Two Notes with uh, with uh, Two Notes and all that stuff. They're, I think Derek works for them. Hmm. So they've got like a joint booth and all that stuff. And then Two Notes went direct. And they used to be with Division Audio, Two Notes was. So then the Division Audio went off on their own. And then uh, Two Notes and Rev are partnered up. So, so can some... you guys, um, I can't see comments. Are you, can you guys see the comments on your end? Yeah, I can see them. Oh. You have to, George, you have to go to the YouTube. Uh... Somebody yeah, you got to do split there. screen stuff. and Yeah. <laughs> We're not going much farther here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we have someone said it was the PV Mark IV. Oh, cool. Okay, is that what it was? Yeah, it was Biggins who said that, and then Brent Harmon said the PV Triple X Pilot Light changes color eight times. Sick. Huh. Interesting. You say sick, George. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jody Coleman says, "Don't confuse Trace Elliott and those Hunter Green late '90s Tolex guitar cabs in the heads." I'm not sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Good point. Uh, and it says, "You guys are still going." <laughs> no. Yeah. We're 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 about ready to call this a quit here. I, I'm I'm fading hard. That's all I can tell you. Oh. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Oh, Bud Light, someone someone said. Is that what you're drinking, George? No. 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 Canadian beer. Okay. The bat's blue. Nice. Blue light. Oh, it shouldn't say light on it, but Yeah, that's the problem too, yeah. <laughs> oh, you see it yeah. I, it confused me. It's a proximity thing. I mean, I'm an hour from the border here. <laughs> I'm gonna grab one more while you guys chat real quick. <laughs> sure, go for it. Uh, well, we're going to wind it down while you're gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just checking to see if there's any other questions before we call it a night. Um, I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Playing my blonde trim because the F, F5 F6A needs work. Okay. Call Dave. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I got a good one for you, George. You're going to appreciate this. All right. So, um, so I'm repairing for uh, uh, Toshi Anagi, who plays on Kimmel. Mm-hmm. I'm repairing. I'm repairing a, 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 an old blackface twin. He was going to sell, right? Okay. And um, he wanted me to swap some speakers and just make sure it works, so he could sell it. You know. And uh, so we're like, you know, get it. To, you know, just kind of like don't do much to it. Just put the speakers in, kind of get it up and running, and uh, and the reverb hums. Really? So, even if you unplug the tank, uh, it well, it wasn't the tank. Okay. So we we went through this whole list of scenarios here, right? <laughs> Cables, tank, everything. When you turn it up, it hummed like a lot, like a humming. Did you swap the the uh, heater wires on that tube? Uh, nope, nope. Okay. But uh, uh, it was like humming, and it's like it wasn't tubes, and it wasn't this, and it wasn't that, and it wasn't anything. So I'm like, hmm. Uh, well, open up the filter cap. Like my Jamie was doing it here, and he I open up the filter cap thing. And so in there, the filter caps have been replaced already. And in there, there's a little extra filtering and a little note it says extra filtering added for the reverb uh, circuit. Oh, God. Okay. And I'm like going, well, all right. This shouldn't be here. It should work. There's some (laughs) other reason. It obviously is still humming a lot. And there's some other reason. So I just put it, I put a couple new filter caps in and just put it back to stock and, and, and then still hummed. Hmm. I'm like, you turn the reverb off, you mute it, hum goes away. Okay. Did you move the reverb uh, filter ground at all? Wasn't that. Okay. What, what so, I'm, I, so I'm like, I'm playing with it. And I'm like going, well, if I tack a bigger filter cap across that stage, the hum reduces. So you shotgun it and it's better? Okay. Well, it reduces, but it's not the way to fix it. I mean, I put a hundred okay. mic across there and it wasn't. No, okay. like, so it's not that. So it's not that. So I'm like, well, why isn't that filter doing its job? Is it backward? No. <laughs> why isn't that filter doing that job? And so what's before it? The choke. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like going, you know, disconnect these choke wires. And I just grabbed another choke I had laying around and tacked it in, right? Right. Dead silent. <laughs> I'm like, I go pull the tra- pull the choke out, pull the choke out and measure it. You know, 
choke generally what is a hundred some ohms or something or a hundred ohms or something ohms yeah something like that right yeah this read five wow. <laughs> this wasn't doing anything <laughs> yeah so you have no pi filter in your in your power supply then. right so there's a shortage <laughs> coil somewhere in the choke. A fucked up choke. Now, has anyone ever heard of that? Uh, I can't say I've seen that, no. I can't I, say I've ever seen that either, ever. I've had a choke fail to ground, but I've not had a choke fail to mm-hmm. lower resistance. I don't think I've ever had a choke fail, period. Well, yeah, really, I didn't. I had, I, had a, I had one fail to open, and I had one fail to, to ground, and it, it uh, caused the... The, yeah, uh, that would suck. The plus fuse to blow, you know, as you can imagine, and then oh, yeah. things so. open that would just it caused really low uh, B plus. And uh, oh, so so what about uh, it's something I was thinking about the other day. Uh, you ever work on the old like uh, '60s low wattage amps where the plates and the screens are both on the other side, on the lower side of the choke? Oh yeah. Do you ever go back and forth and listen to the difference? Yeah, you need a really stout choke. Well, yeah. also, also the uh, the the also the other amps. Um, some early JTM forty fives. Also, the the output transformer, right, was before norm, normally before the choke, but after. But after the choke is in a lot of them. And AC fifteens, same thing. And and, and that is an interesting sound. And Selmer's also, yeah, it gets really smooth and a little choke sounding. And a little, yeah. little like squishy too, like a, like a this nice yeah. thing to it. Very much intended. So. Yeah. It's choke sounding. Ah, yeah. Sorry for the pun. That was unintended, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think I'm ready for bed. All right, that's done. <laughs> I know Dave's tired too. It's been a long day. Um, Dude, we're on the East Coast. Come on. Dude, I'm so tired. Um, I want to thank Kyle big time for coming on the show. Kyle, thank you so much for taking your time. Um, Thanks for asking me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I spelled I spelled your name like five times wrong. I I apologize for that. <laughs> it's like a simple last name that's really hard to spell. He's like, hey, can you send me that promo, but this time spell my name right? <laughs> uh so i apologize about that man that i think you ver- spelled it wrong the second time again and i did yeah and then you fixed it the third time right the third time it took me three times to spell your name right which is quite embarrassing by the third time i wrote you i said this is real uh, this is very unprofessional <laughs> well, any consolation, i have no idea how to spell your last name uh without well, looking so. don't even worry about it man don't worry <laughs> Rhodes is a lot easier than husansky so, oh my God, I couldn't, I couldn't spell it either. And I'm, I'll do the show with you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, luckily, you can spell mine. It reminds you in the amp in the back. Of- yeah, I, I know how to spell Friedman. Yeah, Friedman. Friedman. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, Kyle, do you mind telling uh, folks where they can reach you, where they can see your stuff? Yeah, our, our main website is ksramps.com. And uh, the new website, it'll be it'll be live soon, I swear. Uh, but if you want to see a preview, it's kylerodesdesigns.com. And uh, if you end up on our KSR Amps website and click Juno or something like that, you'll end up there anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm also 
I'm all over Facebook and Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff. My, my Instagram is typically a little less formal. If, if, if anything I do is formal, it's Instagram is a little less formal, more behind the scenes and that kind of stuff. Um, I like to take videos of my various CNC machines and lasers and pick and place and all that kind of stuff. Got it. Things. Well, you couldn't get any more informal than having George in your room. So <laughs> <laughs> Just in a row. Yeah, right. George, uh, George. George helps keep keep keeps bring that bringing that down. But uh, I want to uh, see that laser machine running just so I know what mine has a potential for. <laughs> Something uh, to look forward to. You know, George, I'll just buy that machine from you and then sell you the panels and things. How's that sound? Oh, story of my life. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> or you guys can trade machines. <laughs> I already, I already yeah. told him if he decided he wanted to get rid of it, I'd get it so I could get a bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> just give him the smaller one <laughs> then he can fit it in the door <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get the, the new one in my door <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've got plans for a bigger shop so maybe maybe when I do that I'll, I'll uh, add the bigger laser take it on and George thanks for uh, popping in for us man oh you're, you're thankful for that <laughs> Thanks, I think. I was yeah. going to say thanks for the intrusion. <laughs> Check out Metropolis Amps, guys. Why? Because you make great Why? stuff too. <laughs> you so guys check. are awesome. I, yeah. That's so. That's too cool. I love Kyle. I love Dave. I love you, Mark. I mean, it was thanks, bro. Like to join in. Like I had to get out of that whole journey tribute thing. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, you too, bro. Thanks for joining. And uh, Dave, I hope you have a great weekend. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work tomorrow. Oh, well. And then, then, I, then I've been told uh, that my wife's going out of town Thursday through the weekend of next week. So ah, oh. I'm really working. Then I got to take care of the kids. Uh, I, thought, I thought you meant when she was taking the kids. No. Oh, don't I wish. <laughs> <laughs> That's the pipe dream. Hey, don't take kids. It's one. Just one. Yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. The other one, the other ones are old and moved on. That's how I get through the, the kid part, right? The Balvini. <laughs> oh, double wood. Yeah, I gotta Go say thanks to Kristen, my wife, for buying me beer last minute because I realized I was low. <laughs> oh, I'll say thanks to my wife too. She bought me beer right before the show as well. So April, thank you. Uh, guys, everybody who watched the show tonight, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, if anybody wants Tone Talk t-shirts, contact me at tonetalkmark at gmail.com. I've got plenty of shirts available still, so let us know. Uh, Friedman shirts, check out the Friedman stuff, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Next show is with MJ. MJ from Seymour Duncan will be with us. So. That'll be awesome. That's going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah, Kyle, check out uh, KSR. KSR Amps, man. Get some KSR T-shirts, too. All right, guys. Get on a new site. <laughs> Cheers. Great weekend, and I'm just going to stop the broadcast, and we'll be done. All right, guys, great weekend. Take care.